So, Berto, have you seen the TV show Black Mirror? I think I've heard of it. This is a question that I keep asking you. <laughs> I, I, we have an inside joke now because every time I saw you, I'd be like, have you seen that TV show called Black Mirror? And, <laughs> and I'm you, like, uh, you've, you've asked me several times before. <laughs> yeah. So, have you seen season three? I finally did watch all of it. Well, that's what I want to talk about today. We're going we're gonna to do a deep dive on season three of Black Mirror. Which show? Uh, Black Mirror. Have you seen the show Black Mirror? Hmm. We're going to talk in detail about all six episodes of season three. We Spoiler uh, alert! Yeah. And each episode is, is like a mini movie, especially mm-hmm. the last one. I think the last episode is actually, I think, an hour and a half, which is you know, yeah, it's a crazy. legit movie. We're going to talk about the people who made each episode. We're going to talk about the plot of each episode. We're going to talk about the psychological implications that are presented in each episode. We're also going to talk about the societal implications and what our future society may hold for us regarding each episode. And we're also going to talk about our favorite and least favorite episodes from this season. This is going to be a long episode because we have a lot to get into. And if my notes are any representation of how long this episode is going to be, I'm going to say at least a couple hours. And you deserve it. Yeah. Welcome to the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I dance to the 80s. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast, this this episode will end before the content begins. The reason why I'm making this one a patron only is because... We already did seasons one and two, which are totally available to everyone in, in the world right now. And I just thought, I, I mean, I spent, I, I don't know how many hours prepa- preparing for this episode. And so it just seems like, yeah, let's just make this one a patron only, you know, uh, to reward those 420 odd people who Yay. took the step to become a patron. Uh, so if you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Become a patron, and I'll send you the instructions on how to access hundreds of premium episodes like this one. And remember that a portion of your monthly pledge goes toward various charities that we support. All right. Welcome to the Patron Zone, people. We love you so much for becoming a, becoming a patron. Take your eyes into the... Patron Zone. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. What's the beginning of that line? Take your eye. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever knew what. Right into the. But take your eyes. No, no, it's not take your eyes. I've always just said that. God damn it. Now I have oh, to is it up. take it right up till the danger? Take it. That's probably what it is, right? Now I have to or look no? up. The, take a the ride range. until. Take it right up on. Take it right up till the danger zone. Uh, let's see. Revving up your engine, listen to her howl and roar. <laughs> Metal under tension, Damn begging you to touch and go. Highway, oh, highway. to the date, right into... Oh, okay. uh, none of the above. <laughs> highway, I'll take you right in. Oh, that's I'll the one I was into thinking. Into the danger zone. Was, was, there, was, there, was, was there one that was, I'll take you right... I'll take you right in into. I'll right take you right so. in into the danger. So uh, somehow I was thinking it was take your eyes into the <laughs> take your eyes the Patreon zone. Well, the funny thing is, is I'm so bad with lyrics that you could have 
told me that. that <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Because uh, Air Force pilots take their eyes. Their eyes are so important. They take their eye. Yeah. They're not going to leave their eyes <laughs> no. at home. No. If they're going into the danger zone. They you, better have 20-20 vision. They better bring their <laughs> eyes. I mean. All right. So as you were saying earlier, we're going to spoil every episode and several of them have massive twists that will completely ruin this show. What a twist. This show is s- so great that we are dedicating three whole episodes yeah. to it. And so I recommend watching it before listening to this. So do that. If you're a patron, you can always, you know, pause it now, watch it over the next month, come back. And It'll be waiting for you. Yeah. All right. So episode one, season three, Nosedive came out 2016. Directed by Joe Wright, who is sort of a star director, not a typical black mirror director. He directed Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I didn't know that. Atonement, which is a great movie, Atonement. Yeah, that makes sense. The Soloist. Hannah. Did you ever see Hannah? It's a a good movie, Hannah. What was that one? It's about this girl who is trained as a killer. And is Liam Neeson her dad in that movie? Uh, he directed Anna Karenina, he directed Pan, he directed Black Mirror, and he directed Darkest Hour, which is a movie coming out this year with Gary Oldman, and it sounds like a really awesome World War II movie. Whoa. I like all the like the re- re- revival of World War II movies. Yeah, there's me. been a few, huh? There's the Dunkirk one, and, right. which I'm worried about. Are from, you? Well, I feel like Nolan can sometimes get a little off the rails sometimes hmm. so i'm a, it's nolan right yeah 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 so i'm a little worried and the and the the preview makes it look just kind of too nolan-y or but something it's gonna have like dun, yeah dun. <laughs> yeah um i mean i'm just uh you know a huge fan of sort of like the saving private ryan version of war movies you know yeah so you mean the great, great triple A? Yeah. Uh, Nosedive was uh, the the story was by Charlie Booker, who is the creator of Black Mirror. He came right. up with the idea, and then he gave the idea to two young writers, Rashida Jones and Mike Schur, to write the teleplay because Charlie Booker wanted it to have humor, and so he gave it to people who understand humor to write it because mm. Brooker isn't, he's not a humor writer per se. Rashida Jones, you know who that is? Is that the the office? Yeah. And the Parks and Rec? Yeah. And Daughter. Whoa, daughter. she wrote? Yeah. She co-wrote the... Yeah, she's not known for writing. She's no, known for... I didn't know that. But she's the daughter of Quincy Jones from Seattle. John Paul Jones? Quincy Jones. You know Quincy Jones, right? Led Zeppelin? <laughs> you know Quincy Jones? Of course! I want to rock with you. Yeah. He, he basically was Michael's uh, mentor. Yeah. Mike Schur, uh is the other writer, and he's one of the main writers for The Office and for Parks. He's writer-creator of Parks and Rec. He's also writer at SNL, and he plays oh. Moe's, Dwight's, Dwight's brother on, yeah. on The Office. See, I didn't know that this... Okay, that's that makes a lot of sense because that episode had a good dose of, of uh, humor. Yeah. Stars Bryce Dallas Howard, daughter of Douglas, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Uh, Ron Howard. Ron? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought oh. you were joking. I no, thought I you, don't know. She looks just like a young, I guess. a young Ron Howard. But she looks so feminine. 
Yeah. <laughs> so does Ron Howard, kind of, when you think about it, Ex- except when he takes his hat off and reveals that that uh, bald kind of, you know, there's sort of a bald that it, it's sort of in between. It's like, it's far bald. Yeah. It, so that you can't comb over it all anymore. Right. But it's not totally bald, like uh-huh. a like a Jean-Luc Picard. Right, right. Like right. a Jean-Luc Picard, it's clean, you know what's going on, yeah, it's, and it's fine. We're there. <laughs> Ron Howard has the kind of uh, bald, at least, the because the, he's always wearing a baseball cap. Right. He, he always, but every once in a while, he takes it off, and it just I just want him to put back on that hat. I see. Or just finish the job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Bryce Dallas Howard, 2004, she was in The Village. That's the first... Oh! That's the first movie I really remember she seeing her in. She was in The in. Village, 70% of which I liked. She was in a bunch of other movies, too, prior as, as kids, because, you know, her dad's Ron Howard. She was in some Ron Howard movies, like Apollo mm. 13, as, like little, as a little girl. She was in uh, Lady in the Water tw- in 20, t- oh. 2006. She, I think she was the Lady in the Water with was Paul... Was she really? Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Giamatti. Uh, Spider-Man 3, she was Gwen Stacy. Uh, 2009, she was in Terminator Salvation. In 2010, she was started with the Twilight Saga. Huh. Books. 2011 was her big breakout hit in The Help, which is a questionable movie. Also, same year, she was in 50-50, which is a great movie. Hmm. And then her big... Her big film recently was Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, in which wait what? She's the lead, the lead woman in. How Jurassic did I World. miss this? This I don't is know. crazy. You've seen Jurassic World, yeah, but I didn't recognize her at all. Really? Well, she's coming up. They're making a Jurassic World two in 2018, and she's she's been in a whole bunch of other movies too. Ron Howard's daughter. Was the main actress in Jurassic World? Yeah, along with Chris, along with a very neutered Chris Pratt. I mean, Chris Pratt is one of my favorite oh my actors God. of all time. He's so funny. I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan. But in in this in Jurassic World, Chris Pratt, they didn't let him be Chris Pratt. They like made him into like a Tom Cruise kind of character. And uh, I should also mention, I believe Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, was uh, in Arrested Development the the, the third see. or fourth season? See, I'm seeing a picture now. Of course, of course. I just i I didn't connect the dots. Yeah, they made her look so like frumpier in this in this episode. You know? Yeah, it just didn't. So, uh, and also in this episode, Alice Eve stars the the only the only two movies she's been in a bunch of movies, but the only two movies I recognized her from was. Star Trek Into Darkness. She was one of the officers. There's this totally ubiquitous scene in which she's in her panties and a bra. You remember right. that scene? Uh, in 2014, she was uh, Night of the Museum. And she's been on a whole bunch of other stuff, but I don't really recognize it. All right, the plot. So Bryce Dallas Howard lives in a world where people can rate everything. In a world. In a world where you can rate everything on your phone. You can rate a restaurant. You can, but mainly you can rate people. That's so not our world. Yeah. So, for instance, with that snarky kind of bad joke that you just said, I could have rated you like a one. What? And then you would rate me back. What? That would have been. Oh my god! Wait, is the one really good? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a one star system, <laughs> and uh, it's from it's on like a like a decimal situation, <laughs> like imaginary numbers or anything. I see. Um, it's all based on like square roots. It's confusing. It's all on the app. Just look it up. I am confused. 
And everyone has an ocular implant that recognizes faces and shows you what their rating is. So you walk around and you instantly know everyone's average rating that they have. For example, she goes into, into a coffee shop and when she looks at the coffee dude, she can see that he has an average rating of such and such. And it's out of five stars. That's crazy. Wait, you were going to give me the lowest rating, you bastard. <laughs> Her average rating, she we realize, is 4.2. Which and, is great. Which is great. She's, she's ex- we see like people with like 4.6 and like yeah. 2.5 and 3.5. And, she, and you can tell she works really hard at it in the, in the episode right from the beginning. It's, yeah. She's very pleasant. She's very nice. Great with small talk. You know, well, great in the sense of... Being very skilled at it, <laughs> being very pleasant, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not authentic, but just great on that surface level, just enough to get that rating, right? <laughs> and the world, everything is super clean and pastel. It reminded me of like the fifties. Even the dresses were kind of like the fifties. And everyone's on their phone all the time, even if they're not rating each other. So it's you were just commenting on how. I was on the phone all the time. Well, so <laughs> when I when you come over to my house, I don't want the dog to like completely flip out right. when you knock or on the door or ring the doorbell or something. Normally, I would just like – and plus, for whatever reason in my office, even though it's not that far from the front door, I can't hear the doorbell. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's weird. It's like people will be ringing the door, and I'll, and I'll have my door open to my office, and for some reason, there's like this acoustical bubble here or something. <laughs> and so – my window looks out over my driveway, and so I just sort of wait to see people. Uh-huh. And then when I, when I see them leave their car, I go to the door, and by the time I get to the front door in the house, the person will have reached the front door. <laughs> but every time I see you walking out of your car, I, I start heading toward the front door, and I open it up, and you're at the bottom. You're still at the bottom of the stairs, <laughs> and you're staring at your phone while you're walking. <laughs> And it, it's it, it, I don't care if people look at their phone as long as it doesn't bother me, but it bothers me because now I have to stand there in my doorway and like wait for you to like approach the house. It's because I'm getting rated and I'm trying to rate other people. One star. <laughs> so uh, everyone's on their phone all the time, just like you are when when you're walking. And then I asked you, I was like, "Are you on the phone when? Because I'm. What are you doing when you're on the phone? Like when you're walking up to my house? Like, are you checking email or? What? I'm usually listening to a video of some sort. You're lis- You're watching a video. <clears throat> no, I'm listening to a video. Well, you're looking at your phone. Well, okay, because I'm in that moment. Since walking doesn't require eyes. <laughs> You're not bringing your eyes to the danger zone. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is obsessed with moving into a better neighborhood. She she really wants to move to like a more snazzy neighborhood. But the, you can only get into that neighborhood if you have a 4.5 average right. rating. It's like your credit rating. Right. Hers is 4.2. So she's got to figure out a way to get it up. And she even consults with, like, some expert on how to raise your rating, you know, like a professional, you know, advisor on how to raise your rating. Um, So this is when Alice Eve comes in to to play. She is Bryce Dallas Howard's childhood friend. And Alice Eve was, like, the cool kid, and Bryce Dallas Howard was sort of like the nerd, you know. It's sort of like everyone knows this situation. It's like... If you had a cool friend when you were a kid, you were the nerd. And if you were a cool kid, you had a nerd friend. You right. Know? And so, so 
so Alice Eve, she asks Bryce Dallas Howard to be her maid of honor at her wedding, which is really kind of strange, right? It's like out of the blue, she calls her up. And Naomi, Alice Eve's character, she has a rating of 4.8. And she's like beautiful and in the right neighborhood. Very popular. Yeah. And she has many friends and all of her friends have super high ratings. And when she talks to this advisor, he says, if you nail this this maid of honor speech. Oh, right. If you go to this wedding and you nail this maid of honor speech and you get all those, all those high rating, like high ranking people, because the higher rating you have, the more weight your yep. ratings have. You have more oh, power. She doesn't have a lot of time to get this rating. Right. Because the house will go. Right. So she's trying to do it fast. And, right. and she's like, how could I get up three whole points? Yeah. You know? Right. So the guy, well, if you go to this, if you go to this uh, wedding and you right. nail this maid of honor speech and you get a bunch of high ratings, you'll, you'll, it'll bring you up to four point five, and then you can buy this awesome house in time, and you can, your life can become better. And I think it's almost like she doesn't want to live with her brother anymore or something. But anyway, um, okay. So on her way to the wedding, all these really bad things start happening. She she can't get on the plane because her rating isn't high enough. Oh right. Uh, she because she, she had a four point two, which would have led her on the onto the plane. But something kind of weird happened. Oh yeah, wasn't it uh, the gal from the office? Yeah, someone like gave her. It's totally a, a, trivial. It just... Yeah, someone just gave her a little little bad rating, and it dropped her down to a four point one. And, and they even have like the hundredth. It's like four point one. Yeah, four point one nine or oh, something. My God. And it's so stressful. And she goes to the airport, and they're like, "I'm sorry, you can't get on the plane. You're not a four point two. And so she yells at the airline person, and they have an altercation because she's freaking out because she's like, "I got to get on this plane. I've got to give this maid of honor speech. If I don't, I can't get in this house. Like everything's falling apart right there." And we can all identify with situations like that, of you know. And she's yelling at the airline person, and the security shows up, and they punish her with a twenty-four hour punishment that temporarily lowers her rating a whole point. So now she's down to three point one something, and and also as as another part of a punishment, any down votes she receives during that twenty four hour period are doubled, doubled, doubled in yes. doubled in weight, and so oh, she's man. so she's freaking out. She's like, "It's okay, okay, I have a three point one. Uh, it's fine if I can if I can nail this maid of honor speech." Then I, so she rents a car because it's temporary, and then yeah. the other points will accrue, and she'll be okay. Yeah. So, but because of her low ranking, all of a sudden now, she has to rent the crappiest car. Yeah, everyone starts sort of not respecting her as much. Right. And businesses are like, look, if you're, if you're, if you're a 4.2, you can have one of the nice cars, but you know, you're a 3.1. So you get this sh- totally shitty car with controls. So it's in the future, obviously. Yep. And so the cars are self driving or have a lot of tech in it. And all the controls are talking to her in check. In another language that she doesn't understand, but she takes it anyway because she needs it. And then along the way, she runs out of power and she can't charge it because she doesn't know how to work anything. And it's an <laughs> older version that doesn't fit with the new charging stations. So she tries to hitchhike, but people are driving by her on the highway and they see her rating. And they're like, well, I'm not going to pick up a 2.5 or a 3. Yeah, because now, no, now she's dropped down. Yeah. To two point something because yeah. she keeps people she keeps kind of having bad situations yeah. and then people keep rating her down right and they're doubly rating her oh it's terrible so now no one's gonna pick her up and now she's getting more and more frustrated she's basically taking a nosedive yeah 
But if she can make it to the wedding and nail that maid of honor speech, everything will be fine. Oh, okay. Uh, and then a rebellious woman picks her up in her truck. And the truck driver woman says that she used to be obsessed with her rating, just like, just like uh, how, how Miss Howard is. But then her husband couldn't get cancer treatment because he was a 4.3 and he needed to be a 4.4 to get the cancer treatment and he ended up dying. And so this is this is the first example in this world that we can legitimately see as like a terrible like injustice, yeah. right? It's as if he had a pre-existing condition and as a result he couldn't get the right treatment. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't that's not what I would say is it's discrimination. It's essentially saying like Yeah, cuz his pre-existing condition is he's a 4.2. Yeah, but pre-existing condition is something that, it, you know, a medical insurance could legitimately exclude you because you're too much of a risk. You know, I don't, I'm not saying it's right, but there's at least some logic to it. In this in this world, they're saying, look, if you're if you're not a 4.4, we're just going to discriminate against you. And you're, you're too bad. And you're going to die. Risk. You're going to die. But this is the same reason, right? You're too big of a risk. You're 4.2. The same reason why you won't get a house. You're too big of a risk or you can't get the right car. Is it is it risk? Is that how you interpret it? That's well, or or some equivalent, right? Like it could be social risk. It could be because um, if you, I, it, to me, it just I think it feels just like exclusionary. It's just like like class based. You know, it's if if you're upper cl- or wealth based. It's like yeah. if you have enough money, then you can get the treatment, and if you don't, then you don't. Um, and and in the future, instead of wealth based merit system. They have this ranking-based right. merit system that's sort of independent of of money or something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. It's just someone could say, "Well, you know, you could have you could have gotten your score up before you tried to apply for the insurance." Right. <laughs> right. So up until this point in the story in this world, it's like, well, okay, you know, if you if if you're looking to to pick up a hitchhiker, and they're a four point five. Then in all likelihood you're safe picking them up. But if you see a two point five, then you're taking more of a risk. Although ironically, I could easily see <clears throat> a high functioning, like a uh, murderer, psychopath, like right. uh, Ted Bundy, right. would probably be a four point five. <laughs> but if they had been caught murdering yeah, right. someone, then right. obviously <laughs> their rating would go down. Although that'd be interesting. It's like actually, yeah, all his admirers, right? <laughs> so. So Naomi uh, calls Bryce Dallas Howard and tells her that she's no longer welcome to the wedding because she looked – because the other thing is you can look up people's ratings just on the internet. And she saw, oh, my God, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard went from a 4.2 to a 2.6. I don't want her at this. I have have an exclusive 4.2 and above kind of policy. You're 2.6. You're out. And so this is when Bryce Dallas Howard like completely goes off the rails. She's like, I've ruined my entire life. And she's dirty now, and she's you know been through the mud and stuff, and literally, yeah. And she's and then it, and she's just trying to get to this wedding to give this maid of honor speech. And then at the last minute, Naomi says, "Sorry, you, you you're not <laughs> you're not welcome anymore." So Bryce Dallas Howard gets drunk, she crashes the wedding, and she you know tries to force herself to give the speech. She's still holding on to this shred because her yes. speech is actually really good. It's a to- super fake speech. Right. That she, but it, but she gave an example of it. I think to it would have hit all the right marks. Yeah, it was that perfect sort of maid of honor, sweet, but but complimentary to the to the bride, and 
and reminiscent of their childhood right together. with a story yeah. and everything yep. and even a there's a teddy bear involved in it oh yes um so she tries to give her speech but she starts kind of losing it she starts she starts losing her poise and she starts raging at people and everyone starts raiding her in at this and since you know she's in that 24 hour zone of double ratings and there's all these super powerful people negative 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 and her her rating <laughs> drops all the way to zero yeah and that's when all of her rage comes out and she starts threatening to kill people. She like grabs a knife and she's, she's arrested by security and she goes to prison. Then in prison, Bryce Dallas Howard is, realizes she's next to another guy in the prison. And she's in this prison and she's, there's this other guy mm-hmm. in, an, in another cell. And they kind of start interacting and they're, they're not being very nice to each other. And then he just insults her he it's almost like he kind of knows he, he he's sort of like provoking her i think i think he knows maybe what she needs or something right and he, he insults her and, and she's like uh, insults her bra actually because at this point she's lost her shirt and she just yeah. has like a skirt on and a bra and 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 she's all dirty and her mascaras you know everywhere and he's like i don't like your bra and then she's like well i don't i don't like your mustache and they go back and forth, and it escalates from there. And they seem they seem they're yelling at each other, and they're angry, but they seem really happy. Yeah, because it's consequence free. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't have their phones anymore. They can't no. rate. They can't rate each other. And plus, there's she's a zero. So. They can say what they really want to say. Yeah, and then in unison, at the the last scene, the last kind of two seconds before it's cut off, they're screaming at each other. Fuck <laughs> you, and then then it ends. So, Berto, what do you think about this episode? I this was one of my favorite ones. Um, not only was it very well re- written and humorous, as you were saying, which now is not, not surprising, knowing who had a hand in it. Uh, but yeah, it was a very incisive point about you know a lot of the things that we that we spend our time trivially obsessing over. Um, so it was a good commentary on that. Uh, but I just found it, in, even if it hadn't had like a little bit of that social commentary, it was just very enjoyable to see the stress. I was so stressed for her. I'm like, oh, no, don't say, oh, no. The, oh, you're going to get rated down. And then just like one problem after another. And, yeah. and then you're kind of, kind of sort of like you're forgetting for a second what show you're watching. So you're thinking, oh, maybe she can pull it off. And, uh, no, that's right. It's Black Mirror. Oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> Right, you're like, oh, this is, this isn't gonna end well, you know, or with her getting what she wants, you know. She might as well have fucked the pig. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is, in my opinion, a science fiction. It's science fiction. It's future fiction, you know. And but, and you know, and the obvious connection is like the ratings that we get on, you know, the internet or Yelp or uber ratings or something and but in it that system that we are currently seeing the emergence of is just a technological manifestation of our human nature whenever berto you and i have interacted every down to the micro sentence between you and me we are constantly evaluating 
each other and whether or not this relationship is worth it. I don't know that I like what you just said. <laughs> I'm going to rate that low. <laughs> and, and, and whether and, and what my disposition is to you. Right. And, am I, and then when I think about inviting people to things, I, I, I go through my felt sense or maybe even a literal list in my mind of like my three best friends or something. Right. And I, and I invite them. We do this all the time. It's this, this is just this, you know, when you go to the store and they recognize you yep. and you've been really nice with them and you want something, you want something extra, like, I don't know, you're, you're at the Starbucks and you forget your wallet and the Starbucks person knows you because right. you come in every morning and you're like, oh my God, I forgot my wallet. And they're going to be like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'll pay for it this time. You can get me back tomorrow or something or or just don't even worry about it. it's two bucks well that's all this sort of stuff yep and the, the, i guess the big difference is normally you don't wear your your score literally you know like on your forehead yeah. basically and you can't you, you in our world now you can have a horrendous interaction with a random person and it won't follow you it won't necessarily affect you because yeah because you'll never see that right. person again they'll if you do see that person they'll hate you yeah uh, you know, it's one one of the things that pops into mind when I when I think about that is when I'm driving in my car, I'm usually just driving to work. is is the main time I'm driving. Right. I, I don't drive all over the place. You know, it's if 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 I'm in the car and all likelihood I'm driving to the university. And and I you know I live in Seattle and work in Seattle and I've lived in Seattle you know in the area my whole life and. And the older I get, the more I will restrain myself from flipping people off <laughs> because I think it might have even happened to me once where I flipped someone off or, you know, yelled at or honked at someone. Uh -huh. And then I realized that we were both going to the same place. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, in a way, it's like sometimes they're uh, anonymous interactions, but even in this world, you know, you might bump into them again. But anyway. well, and then you have stuff like, you know, you put a YouTube video out or something, and then you have all these real people voting you up and down and saying horrible or nice things in those YouTube threads. And so, for some people, it becomes actually quite real because if you're a YouTube persona, they really are voting your persona up and down. Right. And since that's the persona, since that that's now what you've become to most of the world, except those that know you really well, they are almost doing this episode, you know. Right. The president has his approval rating. Yep. I, I mean, the the president's approval rating is one of the most important indicators that people will follow. Yeah. Um, so, and that's interesting. I mean, it's like three hundred plus million people <laughs> are constantly rating you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're heading in this direction in a lot of ways that that this episode shows. Uh, as soon as I realized what this world was, I was like, "Oh my god, this is our future." <laughs> because think about it, like it'll it's not going to be long before this the ability to quickly rate someone is going to be available to you. And to for instance, with Uber Uber is, to me, the best example of what this world is right now. Because every time 
you ride with Uber and I ride Uber all the time, you know, in every city I go to. It's just I I love Uber. <laughs> if there's a cab that I see nearby, I'll take the cab, but boy do I like Uber. And Uber is really the answer to that 80s song, right? What? Who's gonna drive you home tonight? Uber will. <laughs> and when the you get out of the car of the Uber, the Uber driver rates you and you write the Uber driver. Yep. You are doing exactly what yep. Bryce Dallas Howard is doing. As soon as you walk out of that car, bing, one out of five, you know, yeah. five stars. The and the driver rates you. That's right. And so when someone has a bad rating on Uber, I won't I won't accept them as my driver and vice versa. If I had a crappy rating, right. my guess is is that Uber drivers wouldn't pick me up. Yeah. They'd be like, someone <laughs> is at, you know, you have five drivers looking for an Uber driver and this one has a 2.5 and this one has a 4.5. Who are you going to pick up? You're going to pick up the right. 4.5. Well, and, and there's, there's other ways in which this plays out today too. Like if you go to interview for a job nowadays, it is not uncommon for the, the company or whoever's interviewing you to look you up online, look at your LinkedIn profile, Look at your face. If your Facebook profile is public, you know there's all these stories of like, well, they found some some shady posts. They found some. It's a little posts. different. It's I, I appreciate the analogy, but it's different because you can completely alter and control your LinkedIn page. There's there's nothing on there that <laughs> indicates you could be a serial killer and have a kick ass LinkedIn page and a Facebook page for that. Matter. But well, yeah, that's true about LinkedIn. That's true. But but you know, in Facebook, you, if you get tagged. You yeah. know, and you don't monitor that stuff closely. But that's my point: is you you can you can monitor it. You yeah, know, you, I mean? you, you could you could literally defriend everyone that you know and have like this totally pristine. Now, if you were now, if your job was like I'm looking for people that have you know this many friends or something, you know. But Uber is like exactly like this 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 episode. It's exactly like that. It has the exact same and right and. People, do you know your Uber rating, by the way? No. I know mine. But, but, but listen, but that's, that's also where it breaks down. Unlike Facebook and LinkedIn, your Uber rating is not yet going to matter for anything else. Well, right. It's a microcosm yeah. of a particular kind of world. But, but it's the only world that I know of that is exactly like this. I mean, you, you literally take your phone out after you get out of the Uber and and. You don't have to point it at right. them the way they do in the show, but you just you rate them. But there are people that you know they they put stock into how many Instagram followers someone has. Yeah, and those are public, and those you can't easily control. Right. If you don't have enough followers, you just don't have enough followers. Right. So my Uber rating is four point seven. I checked today. Whoa. It's actually, I'm round. How do you check? You have to actually submit. Like oh. it's not. It's not in the app. Well, it used to be in the app. Like it was a for some reason Uber doesn't want you to know your own rating, which yeah. seems weird to me. You used to have to kind of dig deep in the app to find mm -hmm. it. Like it was behind some weird kind of label. But I checked today and you actually have to, I went online on my desktop and actually had to submit I had to press the submit button <laughs> and then request. and then it just and it just shows me like right away. Which is kind of weird. It's like I'm submitting a request for my rating, but it just shows me my rating. It's not like someone's <laughs> sitting there, like going, "We have a request That's from Kirk." Funny, but any, so I don't, can you think of a reason why Uber wouldn't want drivers to see or people to see or uh, passengers to see their Uber rating? It seems like you would want everyone to see their what they're being rated. Well, maybe because 
you know, the real reason that they have the rating, as you were saying earlier, is so that Drivers. a driver can select not to pick you up. But yeah. they sort of want to make it a bit opaque. Like, why did that driver not pick me up? Uh, Whereas if every time you log in, it's like the is like that show. Then you're like, oh god damn it, they're not picking me up because I'm a three point seven. And I can tell you, I have absolutely acted like Bryce Dallas Howard with Uber drivers because <laughs> I want to make sure my Uber rating is okay. Really? Well, because it's it's a it's a it translates into real life benefits. Because if my if my Uber rating goes down to like a four point zero, presumably no one's going to pick me up. What? And, and there are times when I absolutely need someone to Call pick me left. up. Well, Call yeah, taxi. yeah, I guess that would be I. <laughs> I have Lyft like right next to my Uber app on my phone, and it's like I. For the I, day I, use Roth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know people who brag about having a four point nine rating. They'll they'll say, "Oh, Kirk, you're a four point seven. Like, are you a total dick to the Uber drivers? Because I'm what? I'm a four point nine. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, also, another analogy to my life is outcomes at my university. At the end of each quarter. We do quarters in in Seattle. Everywhere else in the world, they do semesters, but we do quarters. Yeah. Each student rates their own professors at the end of each at the end of each course. And as a program director, I see all of those ratings. I see every single rating that every student you know rates right. every instructor. And when I was a novice instructor, I needed a drink just to <laughs> just to look at them. Oh wow. <laughs> because it's stressful. Well, I I'm so I'm so desperate really my entire career as an instructor to be to, to do my students good. I I I, I don't want to fail them and I work really hard. And it's such a it's such a performance. You know, it's not like I just give assignments and you know read papers. I'm in front of the class putting on a song and dance. I've always said that you need as an as a college instructor, maybe instructor, probably instructor for any for any grade, you need to consider it as if you're on stage, like an mm. improv act or or some kind of like entertainment situation. You're trying to impart knowledge, but you're also you need to keep people awake. And part of part of the reason why I think I, I, you know, the students have sort of socialized me over the past twenty years to become a performer is because when you're an adjunct, when you're like a low-ranking instructor at my university, you get all the shit jobs, and one of the shit jobs is to teach from seven to ten, so seven p.m. to ten p.m. Oh yeah, so you're teaching people at until <laughs> at, at you know at at, at ten p.m. when they're asleep. When yeah. <laughs> And people fall asleep in class anyway. Can you imagine at nine thirty? <laughs> you know, there are people who their bedtimes at nine. You know, they have kids and blah, blah blah. And so, I, as an instructor of you know fifteen twenty students, I can tell when I'm being boring because like half of the class will be kind of like not looking at me, or they'll or they'll literally be falling asleep. I I've had students fall asleep, which is again, if I'm teaching math or I'm just you know, I'm just showing a movie and they're falling asleep. But I take my job seriously. And so when I get a bad rating, it really cuts to my core. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more thick-skinned now after 20 years in, uh, mostly because I'm program director and who's going to fire me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but back in the day, really for for years, you know, a decade, 15 years, it was it was hard. And so 
this rating is like a big deal. And I'm not alone. Most instructors are like this. I know that. And well, I can I can say from having worked in pre pre uh, prior jobs like uh, ice cream distributor and things like that, we had different review systems in different companies I've worked for, and one in particular, every time it was review time, and they were handing me there was a score, there was a number. Oh man, it was so stressful because it was like this mystery. Yeah. I wonder what I got. Which, by the way, it's. I can't tell you how stupid that is. Like, why drive blood pressures up? Just tell me already. So you're sitting there and just like, oh, am I going to get screwed? Am I going to get screwed? It was always, always stressful. Out of five stars, you got a four point. By the way, guess what my Uber score is? What? 4.81. Oh, did you look it up? Yep. Oh, you just looked it up? Yep. See? See, yours is better than mine. And honestly... Mine, mine has actually sort of crept up over time because the first, because most people when they ride Uber, it's like kind of a rare thing for them or something, I guess. Or I think some people actually feel bad about making. I think some people feel like they're they're like acting like a upper class person by making someone else drive them. Do you oh, know what I mean? really? Yeah, I mean, I've heard people talk about when they ride Uber, they feel g- guilty, like some sort of. Like upper class guilt or something that they're oh. they're making some lower class person drive them around. They should go to to Bogota. Yeah, where pretty much it only makes sense to take public transportation or right. an Uber or a taxi. Right, that's how I see it. It's just like, <laughs> I it's it's just another form of transportation, and so I know people who will go super out of their way to be nice to Uber drivers. Uh-huh. You know, like how you doing? You know, they feel compelled to have a conversation, whereas for me. Uh, when I've been in a job like that myself, I don't want to talk to people. I just, mm. I just, I just want to listen to the radio. Or if you know, if if I talk to everyone, I'd probably go crazy. I just want to like chill yeah. and you know, for me, and that's yeah. just. So I try to be respectful of people in that way, and I I don't want to talk their ear off, and so I I usually just get in the Uber and and just sit there. Yeah, you know what I mean. See, if if I'm totally sober or close to totally sober, I let the Uber driver like set the pace yeah and most of them are like you were you know like pretty quiet some though oh my god yeah they are non-stop yeah and if they do that fine you know i don't i don't my, but my point is is that i'm not going super out of my way right to be nice to the uber driver i'm not mean i'm never dismissive or rude i i just i get in the car and we go you know it's it's a business situation it's not like they're my uncle or something uh-huh. you know and so I think my rating has suffered because I would watch my friends get in Uber cars and they'd just be like super <laughs> like, how you doing? <laughs> How's your day? <laughs> well, you, we like working hard, you know, like lots of, you know, I just see. like Bryce Dallas <laughs> Howard in this episode. And so I think uh, the fact that I'm so quiet somehow gets me lower ratings or something. <laughs> I always offer them a $100 bill if they give me a five rating at the end. <laughs> Another reason why I think I, – here I am trying to justify my lower rating. <laughs> but another reason why I think I, 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 I'm really impatient because some Uber drivers will accept me as their pickup. And then you can see them on the app. And I'm watching them like parked. I can tell that they're not, they're not moving. You, right. Their little car on the map is just sitting there. Like, and yeah. it's not at a light. It's, it's like somewhere else. And I'm like, 
okay, they accepted me as yes. their fare, but they're not moving. They're just sitting there. And you – so now, if they said, I'll be there in five minutes, I have to do something. Yeah. I'd be like, fine. Fine, whatever. Who cares? But, but if I'm standing on the corner – because I want to be right there when they come out. Yeah. I don't want to be inside. I want to be right there. They drive up. I, you know, I, I wave. I say it's yeah. me because um, I don't want to waste their time. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. Right, so I'm standing out in the cold or the rain or something, and I'm just staring at this at this car as it sits there. And after, and so I'll call them and I'll be like, "Hey, so I was just wondering, you know, are, are you coming?" And they'll and they'll be like, "What?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, it's just, you know, I can see that your car isn't moving." Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to be. I'm just asking nicely. Yeah. <laughs> How's your day going? <laughs> That's okay. I'll just stand here in the rain. You know? Listen, four point seven is high, though. I know, but but compared to other people, four point. Oh, I can't. You can't point... expect to have a four point eight one. I mean, <laughs> would you would you uh, give the speech at my <laughs> at my wedding? <laughs> yeah. So you can see how this this is already started. You know, it actually is in place right now, and. People like me are actually, you know, it's it's changing our behavior. That's true. It's changing how we feel about ourselves. I mean, I legitimately feel lower self esteem because I have four point six six and you have a four point eight one. Like I, I legitimately feel on the inside like I'm not as nice as you oh, or something. Wow. Or, you know, how do I get it up? How do I get my number up? How do you, how do you get it up? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> See, like what I do is I actually give them like. Like um, a little bit of side slaps, like oh, this car is not as clean as the other ones I'm used to, and then they feel like they have to impress. Oh, me. negging! You're negging. Yeah, I'm them. negging them. Yeah. And so by the end, they're like, oh, if I don't give him a five, he'll feel like it, like he was right all along. Well, it's funny. I mean, studies actually show that 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 you know when 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 waitresses are meaner, they actually get sometimes more oh, tips. Oh, really? Anyway, yeah. Okay, so Berto, question: Will this in the future? This possible future, will it make our world better or worse? What do you think? Uh, if it played out as it was in the episode, it would not be a, a pleasant environment at all because uh, you really would have to be constantly on your toes. You couldn't be yourself. It would be highly stressful. Uh, on the other hand, I do think that if there were more ways to rate professional exchanges in ways that didn't necessarily affect all other areas of one's life – that might not be such a bad thing. Like having the equivalent of the Uber ratings in other categories. I'm not sure of the comprehensive list of them, but like, I, I think that, like that a, might be interesting. Like a checker at the grocery store or something. See, that that, that might be too micro, especially because you know they no, usually I, don't get paid much at all, and you know. No, well, fine, but I've had checkers that are awesome, and I've had checkers that I hate. I see. Well, like that, like, like people who comment on like I had a guy once who. You know, I you know I go through the grocery store and I got a bunch of groceries, yeah, a lot of groceries, and I come to the front, and this guy he's he's like picking up a twelve pack of soda, uh -huh. and he's he's like a, he looks like a twenty five thirty year old guy, and he he picks up this this um, you know twelve pack of soda, and he's just he's just like he, he said something like geez buy enough soda or something some kind of thing like that wow. And I've 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 ran into that a few times. Like there, I mean, so most of them are fine. There's some excellent ones who are like super great, and then there's you know there's this bad. And I would love, but there's no way because what am I going to do on go and Yelp and say like, 
Yeah, Checker number three, yeah. you know. I, I mean, you could do that if you want. For me, that's too micro. But like a doctor, some big service, like a mechanic. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Do, you, do you grocery shop, by the way? Yeah. Like every couple days? No, no. Every I go grocery. I go, I'm at the grocery store every two or three days. I know each and every one of the checkers at my local grocery store, <laughs> and I can tell you there are major personality differences to the point sure. where I will choose different lines based on who is the checker. Okay, so you're the extreme example. No, I think everyone I, does that. I, that's fine. I'm saying I'm not going to prevent you from doing it, but I, for me personally, I want the, the bigger things. Like, Well, I, I think just, what you're you know, saying is – Car sales, things that are relevant to your life. Well, no, 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 not just my Apparently, life. Big, big purchases, big things like a doctor. That's a big deal. Well, you know, you think about it, when you go to the doctor. There's so many of these rude, stuck up, yeah, doctors. Right? No, no. I, and how do they ever get any feedback? They I, don't. I, th- I think the function that I would say is the amount of of importance in your life. And so if I see the same. If I go to the same grocery store every two days, mm-hmm. I have contact 180 times a year with these staff members. Therefore, although the interaction is fairly minimal, you know, it's not like getting surgery with a physician, it is a lot of interacting. <laughs> and there are some checkers that I've worked with that I would absolutely love to just to, <laughs> to, to have a low rating and, and have them at least know uh, that, you know, what they're doing is not. It's not nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, a physician once a year, you really want to make sure you're going to the right one. And it's also, I, I guess maybe for me, it's also the level of ludicrousness of like the the type of physician that walks in for five minutes, barely looks at you, looks at the chart, says some totally generic thing and gets paid, you know, 600K a year. They deserve ratings. Yeah. <laughs> and they have websites for that now. It's yeah. just not as convenient. It's not stamped on their fucking forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean there are therapy pages. I am on I'm on various different uh there you know oh, th- you there, are? there are websites that are trying to become like the Yelp for physicians. And th- oh, I'm and gonna rate you so low. <laughs> there's also the one for professors. There's uh, rateyourprofessor.com. Oh, really? So these things are starting to pop up more and more. Well, they've been actually. I think Rate Your Professor has been around for a long time. Mm. Believe me, I've been checking ever since <laughs> the internet was around, but uh, but not uh, a lot of people use it. You know, is there a RateYourLatinLover.com? Well, you say that, but the Rate Your Professor thing. So, so let me just complain about the Rate Your Professor thing for a second. So they have they have a few different scales. So, um, by the way, I think we're going to need more than one episode for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh hopefully this this will go faster once we once we get into this. But uh okay, so I'm going to rate my professor Kirkhanda. What okay, uh there I am, Antioch University. Okay, so there are different there are different scales that you get rated on. You get rated overall quality, which is which is fine. But there's also level of difficulty. Uh-huh. So so the and to me, so if you're super difficult, then you get rated, I think, lower or something. But but but, but, but you're difficult. Like your topic is difficult. Like you're like as a professor, you're difficult. Oh. you know what I mean. Like difficult to work with. Like no, like your like the the rigor of your class. You know oh, what I mean? Really? Like, yeah. Um, oh, that's weird. So to me, that doesn't seem fair. Plus, uh, but the Latin lover bit there, um, you there's a hotness 
a, a rating to that you can add on or something. If to the professor if, if your professor is hot <laughs> or something. Um, and thank God no one said that about me because I just oh. I can, well I consider that to be very demeaning. You know, I, I mean, as a man, I'm less less you know vulnerable to that kind of objectification. But uh. imagine you're a woman professor. And you know you take your job seriously, and like everyone's rating you is there. It's a little chili pepper indicating that you're hot. I don't know. I just see. Think, I, I consider that to be the meaning of education. Sure. So for me, I think that would it make the world better or worse? Uh, I would say it really. I guess it just depends on how we do it. I I think that uh, we absolutely have the capability to do this right now, and with the future, it'll become perhaps more easier as, as things become more streamlined or popular or something. But it's really hard to say because we have the capability kind of to do this. We don't have the capability to recognize someone's face immediately with our ocular implant and know their rating. But, but we would have the ability on the phone with proximity and sort of pointing sure. to have it come up on an app like that's so-and-so with their rating. So we actually, if it's all contained within the phone, we have the ability to do this right now, but we, we're not. So I think that that's interesting that we care about rating people, but we don't care that much. You know, there are things that we care a lot about yeah. that are obvious. I mean, even like rate your physician. I mean, we all or Yelp, for instance. I mean, how many people actually rate things on Yelp? I mean, I do, but I'm like, you know, a, I'm a rare individual in that. Yeah, you're a power Yelper. Yeah, most people. Most people will look at Yelp, but they don't actually rate things on Yelp because it, yeah. it takes time. So I think it's interesting that, you know, I think it's interesting. It's like, well, this is our future. It's like, well, we kind of have that ability now and we're not actually doing it. So I don't, I don't know if this is in our future. Well, I also think that th at least for now, there's, there's still a big backlash whenever companies violate privacy. And you have, as you were saying, you have the capability of blocking people from seeing First of all, you, you don't have to have a LinkedIn account. You don't have to have a Facebook account. And if you do, you have a lot of controls onto who gets to see what. So, uh, and then companies tend to get penalized by the market when they violate, when, you know, whenever a hacker finds that Google was transmitting such and such extra information with the, these things tend to have really negative publicity, at least for now. So I think that idea of having an app that you personally have no control over others seeing your rating and it's not in some professional thing. I think that's not likely to happen in the current climate. Right. Cause you'd have to sign up for it and say, yes, I consent to right. you, blah, blah, blah. And then, now that being said, the, every indication in that episode is that they were sort of all willing participants. Yeah. Well, that one truck driver woman, she opted out, she opted out yeah. because she's just like, I, yeah. I don't care. And presumably in this world, if you opt out, then you're completely ostracized. Yeah, maybe maybe that is the flip side is that maybe it is heading here in this direction less slowly than I would have thought. Because um, if it is all uh, voluntary, then then people will be like, I don't want to I don't like that because right because most people are just like, I, I don't want that out there. You know, I don't want that. Yeah. It would have to there would have to be some societal reason that would make it right. so incentived. Like the house buying. <laughs> yeah. There would have to be some sort of system that would be like, because like, for instance, with Facebook, there are people that don't really want to be on Facebook, but they feel so pressured to be on Facebook yeah. because it's, it's 
perhaps one of the only ways that they can communicate with their friends and family about pictures right. and this sort of thing. I like that they included the house buying scenario, by the way, because how this is how a lot of us feel about credit scores. Yeah. Right. It's like I'm being rated and I have such little control over it. Right. And oh God, what what's my ratings? And yeah. then you go apply for credit and they, they look in the computer and you're waiting yeah. to see what and they're like, Oh, I I'm sorry, we can't yeah. offer you that credit card. Yeah. And you feel like a like a shit bag. You're like, oh God, yeah. what do I have to do? Yeah. Yeah. And whenever I get a chance, I always brag about my high <laughs> uh, credit rating. Um, so, yeah, self-esteem go. <laughs> can go either direction in that way. Um, partially because I've just always been in debt my entire life. <laughs> so you were happy when you finally... <laughs> well, I mean, credit ratings are... Oh, are they go up if you if you have a lot of debt. You yes, know what I mean? Like, but you're paying it. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So I would say that on the depending on whether or not it even happens, but if it does, I think there is a good side to it, and that it would improve accountability, like that stupid checker at the safe <laughs> that I don't want. Uh, I mean, I know people who go into some grocery stores, and the checker will be like, "Oh, uh, like like she'll have tampons and like other kinds of feminine things," and the checker will comment on it, like, "Oh." That time of the month, huh? Oh. I, I'm not even joking. Oh, my God. <laughs> there are checkers who say stuff like that. Oh. And it's like, or... or Having a party tonight? Yeah. It's just condoms. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Or or if you're buying, like, a bunch of snacks or something, they'll be like, oh, you're having a party night? And you're like, no, this is just for me. <laughs> and, and, every, and every time, like, a checker does that, I think to myself, do you realize that... Me coming here and buying shit from your store keeps you employed. So if you make me uncomfortable and I don't come back here, then you could lose your job. You know, like all you got to do is say nothing. Why are you commenting on the shit I'm buying? You know, oh man, this is gonna bite you though because what's gonna happen is the the the, the what do you call it? They're the, they're gonna get to rate the customers as well. Yeah, and the ones that are gonna care more to rate. Are probably the ones rating negatively. Yeah. So you're gonna get rated negatively by these people you don't like, <laughs> yeah. and then you're gonna go to a store that you do like, and they're gonna be like, oh, "I'm sorry, Kirk. We'd love to help you, but look at your rating." <laughs> yeah, I guess it goes both ways. <laughs> and obviously, there are bad things about this, like not being able to buy groceries at a store. Everyone becomes fake. People become super obsessed with their ratings. People become very, you know, surface with people, just like this this TV show demonstrated. Can you imagine? Because I could see it now. Like people would stop you on the street to have random encounters, trying to get a good score from you. Yeah. And then there's this dynamic at play where it's like, wait, you just stopped me, so I'm about to rate you negatively, but you would rate me negatively too. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> well, you could just have you could just have rating parties where everyone just shows up yep. and just rates everyone and high. Games the system. Yeah, but they but then up. the neighbors would see it and start rating everyone negatively. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing, another positive thing that I thought about <laughs> this this world is that right now we absolutely have a system of the haves and the have-nots. There are people who have right. privilege, and there are people who don't. You got white people with privilege and you have non-white people who don't. You have rich people who have privilege and you have non-rich people who don't. You have 
able-bodied person who have, who has privilege and you have disabled people who do not. We 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 live in this world already. Right. The difference between this, you know, uh this black mirror world and our world is that at least the black mirror world is based on pro-social behavior. At least their That's world, <laughs> at least their world is is solely based on how nice you are to people and how not mean you are to people, how right. pleasant you are, how helpful, how helpful, nice. how how giving, how generous, yeah. how charismatic. So what if it's somewhat fake? Because <laughs> you certainly can't rob someone, right? You can't you kill get mar- someone. You get marked down, yeah, right. You can't cheat someone. No, a Bernie Madoff would instantly go oh, to zero. Oh, zero. You know what I mean? And so. So in this world, at least it's based on the appearance of pro-social behavior. Yeah. And think about people who you know raise tons of money for charities and stuff, like right. how high their ratings would go right, up. Right. You know what I mean? So you know, it, in and, some ways, it's a better world than the world we live in right now, which is absolutely stratified in these totally arbitrary ways right. that are unfair to people. And of course, you'd still have these – that would be so interesting. You'd have these elites – because you, you think if you're born into a high-rated family, you're going to get high ratings from the start. Yeah. Because all your friends are high-rating. You yeah. go to high-rating high schools, yeah, and, yeah. right? <laughs> so everyone's so going to still be white and yeah, but, but rich. But the power of the masses, you imagine a protest. Instead of just holding a placard. You could just down. They, they could, oh, okay, well, then we're going to stage a protest. A million of us are going to downvote all you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> The last thing I'll say about this episode, and then we'll move on to the next episode, finally, is that when you create a world that incentivizes fakeness and not being authentic and not being allowed to express your anger and disapproval or just, you know, you can't be real in this world, there are going to be, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be psychological symptoms, depression, other kinds of psychodynamic issues. Um, you know, so uh, it probably overall isn't a great thing. In in a perfect world, we would live in a world that was similar to the one we lived in uh, 200 years ago and 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 farther back before industrialization, when we only came into contact with you know a couple hundred people max, yeah, and we could build a relationship with those people, and when we did something good, then. They rewarded us socially over time. And when we did something bad, then they punished us socially over time. Yeah. And, and you know, the problem with today is we, we have too many random anonymous Randos. people that we never see again or we don't realize we're seeing again. And therefore, bad behavior can just sort of proliferate through a, through a society because of the anonymity, especially on the yeah. Internet and that kind of thing. Okay. So episode number two, playtest. We're an hour in, and we're on episode. So this is going to be a six-hour episode. <laughs> Weren't you a playtester at one point in, in the time that I've known you? Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't. But I a lot of my friends were playtesters. Yeah. Okay. So, what's your experience with your friends being playtesters? Well, do you know the movie Grandma's Boy? Yeah. That's the experience. Gray pubes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that movie hits it on the nail. On the yeah. head? <laughs> Basically, you know, uh, in the games industry, the, the the lowest of the low, if you will, are the playtesters. But there was a time where they were revered a little bit because they never got paid a lot. But it was you, you needed really good game players, like the, the kind that could 
finish the level in the hardest difficulties because there wasn't a lot of automation. There wasn't a lot of ways to, you know, check whether things were working right via the software itself. So you, you kind of had a lot more need for people to sit there and play through the games. And, and with video games, even to this day, that is more true than with a lot of other kinds of software. Because as you can imagine, with some software, it's like, okay, did it add the numbers correctly? But with video games, it's like, was it fun? And fun is such a, I don't know, was it fun? Right. And so you still kind of need a lot of these you know, human monkeys, basically, sitting there playing through the games. Right. Um, and it takes a certain kind of skill to be good at it. Like you have to, A, be good at video games, or at least really enthusiastic about it. You have to be good at spotting the problems and being sort of really nitpicky about things. And being able to articulate what it was that you didn't like and why and all these things. Uh, and then there's a culture there because... It creates a little bit of friction between the developers and the testers and the designers and things like that. Um, and historically, in the games industry, the, the game testers are sort of like the lowest on the on the. Well, maybe maybe a little bit above the support engineers. But okay. so that's what this episode is about. It's called Playtest, and it's about someone who you know is volunteers to playtest a game, a new game. Mm-hmm. Came out 2016, directed by Dan. Trachtenberg, who also directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. You've seen that, right? Oh, yeah. That was great. Written by Charlie Brooker, who's the main dude for Black Mirror. It stars Wyatt Russell. Do you know who? So everyone is a son of somebody or a daughter <laughs> of somebody. Who's who's Wyatt Russell? The Kurt Russell's And Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Who, Kid by of, the way, looks really odd in her latest movie she's, she's really well like a lot of plastic surgery yeah something. when people do that it just yeah. breaks my heart because i just think you know it's fine you're 65 it's yeah. okay to look 65 yeah. you know what i mean anyway so wyatt russell kid of kurt russell and goldie Hawn. uh by the way this weekend you could come maybe if you want we're having a kurt russell party we're having a uh, big trouble in little china <gasps> party that's so cool what what day Saturday. So we're gonna we're gonna go to a crappy Chinese restaurant <laughs> that's a couple blocks away, and then we're gonna watch Big Trouble in Little China, and then we have a board game. What? Big Trouble in <laughs> Little China. It's a brand new board game. That's crazy. And so anyway, that's Kurt. But any anyway, Wyatt Russell, the only movie I've seen Wyatt Russell, and the only other thing I've seen him in was in 2016. Everybody wants some. The Richard Linklater. Movie you probably never saw it. It was sort of an obscure no. Linklater movie. No, no. It came out after Boyhood, I think. Now, by the way, this can't be a coincidence. What? That is, he named his son Wyatt. Oh. He must be obsessed with Wyatt. Wyatt Earp. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was in Everybody Wants Some, Richard Linklater movie about the 80s. It's sort of like the sequel to Days of Confused. Okay. Uh, it's about a minor league baseball team. It's very... It's like boyhood in that there's no plot and there's no tension. It's just sort of like a depiction in some ways. Um, anyway, it's early '80s. So, but uh, but I I really loved uh, Wyatt Russell in this. I thought he was just so yeah, it was great. He's so funny and charming, and he's he he seems so real. It's same with everybody wants some. He just he pl- they he always plays these two characters I've seen him play. It's basically the same character, sort of like a stoner dude. You know, a lot of people really did not like him. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a lot of people that love Black Mirror that said, "Well, you know, they they really screwed up with the casting of that of that actor for that role." Why? 
Um, well, what do you think? I liked it personally. I I I, I didn't. I didn't love the episode itself. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. But I liked him in yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I think maybe just uh, people just didn't get his humor or they didn't get how he was playing the funny bit up. Um, I, but I personally liked it. Yeah. Um, I think some of the complaints were that uh, it took them out of the story when he was saying things so that's so weird it's just so weird how art is subjective but i found his his acting and his decisions were just so it just made the if it was a different actor i think this episode would have been much worse in my yeah i I actually one of the things i liked about it was him yeah so the plot wyatt russell travels the world after his dad dies after his dad dies of alzheimer's his mother, he kind of, he kind of sneaks out of, out, of, out of his parents' home yeah. to travel the world because he's kind of busted up about his dad dying. He doesn't know what to do, and he leaves without telling his mom. And his mom is upset and keeps calling him, doesn't know where he is. But he always ignores her calls because he doesn't know what to say to her. He's, right. he's just like, well, she keeps calling me. I'm going to go home eventually, and we're going to talk, but I, just, I don't know. I just don't want to face it right now. And then he makes his way to London, and he's almost home. He's, he's traveled. He's gone all the way around the world, and he's in London. And Wyatt Russell meets a woman, and they sleep together. The next day, she tells him that she's a tech journalist. He realizes uh, after leaving her place that his credit card number had been stolen, and he can't get home back to the United States. So he goes back to this one-night stand woman and asks to stay at her place, and she says, fine. And she... And so he's like, how am I, I going to get money to get back home because I don't have my credit card? And she tells him about this app called Odd Jobs, which is an app for finding odd jobs. And he finds one with a video game company called Saitu Gameu, which I'm guessing is like Site Game or something. Yeah, yeah it's the Japanese kind of – by the way, the, the Odd Jobs is – we were talking about Uber. Yeah. It's like an Uber for random jobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you get ratings, right? Uh, the the listing is for Saitu Gameu is looking for playtesters to play a new game that they're developing. The tech journalist woman tells uh, Wyatt Russell that uh, he should take this job and get inside this Saitu Gameu and take a photo of the tech so he could sell the picture for a lot of money. And he's like, oh, okay. So at Saitu Gameu, which is like an X-Men hideout castle mansion thing. He sees all of these super interesting people working on super interesting computer things. Wyatt Russell is told to turn off his phone. And uh, they actually force him to turn off his phone. And he thinks it's for security reasons. He thinks, you know, turn off your phone. And he's like, oh, wow, you're really paranoid about security. But we we learn later. We learn later that was not it. When he's alone in the room with the tech, uh, he actually turns his phone back on. By the way, they might have wanted to let him know. Right. Because that could have saved everyone a lot. <laughs> or just not have it in the room. Yeah. Because, you know, some phones will turn back on. It'll have like yeah. a like a setting, you know. That, but, that part was one of the ones that bugged me because in, in a secure environment like that where it's secretive and stuff, they, they don't. They wouldn't actually let you have your phone in right. there. Because <laughs> there are phones that look like they're off and they're yeah, not, or totally. they're always recording or something. Anyway, so, Especially when you have people from odd jobs right. showing up. Just a rando. <laughs> but, so when he's alone in the room, he turns his phone back on and takes some photos, 
and sends them to the tech journalist, presumably because he wants to make some extra cash about leaking you know, yep. this stuff. The worker returns to the room and uh, hooks his brain up to the game. They put this mushroom thing on the back of his head. And they uh, start connecting him up to the machine. Again, spoiler alert, you, you really need to watch this episode, but we're going to spoil it. So he's, his brain is uh, being uh, is being integrated with the game somehow or something. He's interf- his brain is interfacing, beginning to connect to this game and this right. tech. And while it's doing that, his mom calls because his phone is now on. It right. was supposed to be off, but his mom calls, and this fries his brain, and he dies in point zero four seconds. But we don't know this. But we don't know this. That this we don't that that that's the spoiler. We learn this at the very end of the episode. From this point forward, he has a whole odyssey of experiences um, that I won't go into because it's not really important to talk to about right now. But but it was in that point four. But it was in that point zero four point seconds. Zero four seconds. Yeah, the the cell phone call from his mind interfered with the game as it was interfacing with his game. Uh, but in the show, we see in that split second that his brain was fried. We see he has this long, elaborate experience, and it's meant to. It's supposed to be a horror game. Right. So he's in the well, sort of a. We don't know what the game was actually supposed to be. No, but right, but but, but he portrayed but, to him like like a. Well, no, he. So he. This, this is the part that because like the the first game he plays mm-hmm. is just a game with a three D thing on a desk. You yeah. remember that? Yep. And so presume so maybe that was the thing that was gonna that was the only thing he was gonna play. But then in his fantasy world, he leaves that room and goes into another room, That's interfaces with another thing, and then he plays a game that. He says as he's walking because I I rewatched this episode. Yeah, that's a good point. He's walking into the mansion. He's like, "This is kind of like that one video game I played five or that, yeah, that, yeah. that popular video." So this game. could be his right before death brain spinning out of control. Exactly. illusions. I see. Exactly. I, I didn't catch that because I actually uh, it all happens watching it really thinking, fast at the end. Like yeah. you're just like, wait, where? Because yeah. he's back in that original room. Yeah. It, the very first time they they he, so he never even played the 3D game on the table. I see. Yeah. What, what in my for some reason what I thought in my mind was that once they had the game interfaced with your brain, they could make the the flow of time vary so dramatically that they could make it feel like it was a while, but it was really only point. F- but you're right. The more likely explanation is no. He was just his brain was frying. Yeah. In. <laughs> right. They said that. Everything lit up in his brain at once, and then it turned off. And so he had just a, he had a lot of experiences in this tiny amount of time. And then for for them, the externals, they're like, I don't know what happened. He just died. Right. So well, and he screamed, "Mom," which yeah. I thought was interesting because when people die, they often scream, "Mom." Oh, it's yeah. It's you hear war stories of people when people know they're going to die and they're freaking out. People will often just scream out for their mother, uh, even though it's not rational to do so. Yeah. But at the same okay. time, his mom was the one who was calling. And yeah. they also implied that he might have connected to the cell phone call because he was his brain was interfacing with a computer. Yeah. And therefore, the cell phone interfered with the interface and, and he made a small connection to his mom, like physically, yeah. or... Did it just trigger? Did the phone ringing just trigger a memory about his mom? Yeah. You know, so it's it's hard to but, know. But it was definitely the phone being on that inter- interrupted, yeah. or so it made the whole thing fry. Right, and since he had signed away his life by saying, "If this kills me, <laughs> yes. you can't sue me," 
the Saitu Gameu people weren't so worried about it. It's right. like, oh, how did it? <laughs> like another one. Yeah. Maybe we should not let them have their phones in here. Yeah. Um, did you notice it was sort of like Resident Evil? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the guy's name was Cooper Redfield, which is a reference yeah, yeah, yeah. to Chris Redfield from the Resident games. I've never played the Resident Evil games because... I love several of them. Horror, of them. horror games are just not my thing. I'm too... I, I think my I would die or something. <laughs> um, it was sort of like a total recall, and then it's because there's a point where the yeah. the tech journalist enters his thing, and it's yeah. just like, "Well, I'm here to get you out. Yeah, you're in trouble." And he's like, "Oh, this is just a part of the game, isn't it?" Yeah. And it's also like Inception because he there were several layers. He was it. in a VR game, in a VR game, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So implications. What are the implications of this episode, Berto, in the real world? Uh, well, you know, the few things that came to mind when I saw it, one of them, uh, as I was saying, odd jobs, th- that sort of exists. You know, not only does Uber do this now, but there are many other startups in Asia and all over the place starting to do these kinds of things. Where essentially, yeah, it's the Uber model, you know. In fact, the, the CEO, CEO of Uber has, you know, talked at length of his vision of like ending unemployment, you know. Yeah. And uh, now, ironically, their first foray is going to be automated in some number of years. But <laughs> but but the economic model is you know the little bit of economics I took in college is that the idea is is that you have unemployed people and and a good portion of or people who are employed but are underemployed who would like some extra money. Yep, and they've got an extra day to kill or they've got yep. an extra four hours. How do they hook up with people who are looking for labor? Well, sure. at this point they got to go to home Depot and stand out in front. Yep. And that's for a very specific kind of labor. Yeah. But if I, for instance, wanted to clean out the gutters of my house and needed some extra help holding the ladder or something. Yep. And I didn't have any friends. <laughs> right. Because I have a low Uber rating. <laughs> and this uh, started with Craigslist. Right. But the you know, with Craigslist there's no ratings, there's no security. Well and no... it's and it's not immediate, you know, like with with right. an, with an app that we could imagine, you could imagine just going like and you know, they, they have some apps that are or some, you know, websites that are kinda like this, like the Fiverr, what's that five thing? Like every job is for five bucks oh, right, or something. Yeah. Anyway. Well, in some places, like in, in I was talking about Colombia and Uber, um, uh, when I was there last year, you can get Uber drivers to do a lot of errands for you now, even though it's not part of the system. Yeah. So you can actually, let's say you need something delivered to your house. It's not even food. It's just, um, you can call the place and be like, all right, I need this thing. It's like, well, we don't deliver. Oh, that's okay. I'll just call an Uber. Yeah. And then you call the Uber and you're like, hey, I need you to go pick up this thing and bring it back here. Yeah. And then they'll do it. Right. Or I need you to go like... Like, like, um, go to this place and I need you to pick up this stuff from the store and I like actually like a little, uh, right. robot. <laughs> so, well, so the, the idea is, is that if you have a way to seamlessly connect willing labor with yeah. willing hire, hirers, then you will increase your economy will benefit from that right. because when you have a disconnect between those two things then your economy starts to grind to a That's halt right. you know and then of course one of the downsides is illustrated at the same time in the episode which is um the dispensability you can, of these you can people. exploit yeah the exploitability yeah. desperate humans that's right 
but the argument is they're the reason why they're desperate is not because of the odd job thing. It's because of the circumstances of the society. Oh yeah, yeah, you totally. Know what I mean, it's not the and the odd job thing might eliminate some of that desperateness because uh, presumably there will become specialized odd job people who are sought after because of their skills or their willingness to do particular kinds of jobs. You know. Yeah, it's been interesting because Uber's been both a blessing to to many people, and then also. They've been accused of some very nefarious practices, and yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting how that develops. But yeah. But, so, anyways, that came to mind. But the but the thing about the economic model of Uber and is that Uber isn't a monopoly. Lyft, you know, is also strong, yep. and another one could come along that you know, if you have a a system that is more conducive to the drivers and the passengers, then you're gonna if if Uber has a completely screwed up policy that is not based on fairness and that sort of thing that and someone else can come along and provide the same service that's that's fair and even charge a little bit more then they're going to win obviously right yeah it's just tricky because like in some places like bogota again um you know ubers when at least when i was there they weren't actually really legal so for example if you took an uber they the uber driver tells you to drive to uh, ride up front because they don't want to be stopped by cops yeah and if if you get stopped by a cop and they find out you're an Uber driver. That's a problem because it's not uh, allowed. So then you have to—they have to lie, and the passenger has to lie. Yeah. And you have to say like, "Oh no, no, I work for a hotel, and he's staying at a hotel." Yeah. So they're—they're they're asking you to lie to a cop as part of the service they're offering, and this is the mo. Yeah. So th- that's not. And, that's not Uber's fault. That's that's the that's uh, the legislature's fault. Yeah. No, but Uber's condoning it. Implicitly. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that's great, but yeah. I, what I'm. I'm, we can't blame Uber for for oh no no laws in particular lands. No, you can't blame them for laws. You can absolutely blame them for the practices, though. Yeah, yeah. And because they're putting at risk the driver and the passengers. Yeah. And but the point is, is yeah. that and again, I lately Uber has been bothering me because for whatever reason, the drivers in my neighborhood, whenever I leave this neighborhood, mm-hmm. they are terrible drivers. I've I just had a string of just terrible wow. Uber drivers that like scare the crap out of me or their or their car is so smelly that I get a headache you wow. know and so I'm not saying that Uber is some sort of glistening thing on in, yeah. you know in the sun but the 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 wonderful model that I think Uber and and others that will come from it I think is so much is such a benefit to our economy because in the past just as an example with Uber what was the alternative to Uber? Taxis. Taxis. Well, so taxis had basic, you know, the taxi companies basically had a monopoly. Yeah. And they, and because they had a monopoly, or at least a monopoly on the system of what a taxi service is like, they didn't have to innovate and they didn't have to please their customers. Right. And so I would be sitting there. It's basically like communism. I'm living in <laughs> capitalistic Seattle. <laughs> And I have a communistic taxi service. Right. In the year 2010, I'm calling a taxi company on the phone, which is, you know, just think <laughs> about that. Yep. And then I get some a human being on the phone who is one of the most crass, unprofessional <laughs> people on the planet, you know. And you need I, a what? A car? Yeah. Oh, uh, we can't. Uh, maybe two hours. Well, that I would be like, okay, fine. Thanks for being honest with me. I'll walk. You know what I mean. But what I would usually get is, okay, you know, 
you know, business or business or you know, residents or yeah. residents, and they're like, what's the address? And I give the address, and they're like, okay, click. And I'm like, okay, when are they going to come? And I'd call them back. Are be, they coming? <laughs> so I call back, and I'm like, so I just wonder, you know, I, I might wait half an hour, and then I call back, and I was like, so I was just wondering, like, how how long is it going to take? And they're like, what's your address? And I'm like, give them my address. It's like, oh, we don't have a taxi. We we no one's yeah. no one's coming. And I'm like, well, I called a half an hour. They're like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, so can you please, real, you know, I just have to be really nice. Please get a taxi. They're like, and they're like, okay. And I'm like, well, before you hang up, like, can you tell me how long do you think it'll be? Oh, like 15 minutes, click. Another half an hour goes by. Jesus. You know, this is like, this is common. Yeah. This, this was, I just worked that whole kind of scenario into my plan whenever I took a cab. Yeah, totally. Which was actually very rare, unless I was downtown Seattle and I just saw a cab and like would hail it. If, if you saw a cab, then, yeah. you know. Like um, when you were on the east side, taking a cab was a non-starter. Yeah. It's like, what? Oh, I'm going to call a cab? No, I, that's never going to happen. Right, <laughs> right. And so unless you were downtown or close to downtown. Totally. Yeah, or the airport or something. Whereas Uber comes out, I could be anywhere. <laughs> yep. I can instantly see how close an Uber car is. Now, so I started using Uber, and then the taxi cabs in Seattle tried to protest by yeah. – by basically making Uber illegal like it is in other countries, apparently. Yeah. And I I've, I rarely contact my politicians, yeah. <laughs> but I contacted them over this because I Uber changed my life. Yeah, now, I'm not saying Uber is perfect, and yes, it doesn't pay their people enough, and I'd be actually happy to pay double sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's actually pretty cheap. I'll, yeah. I can go all the way across Seattle for like 15 bucks or something. You know, it's just, yeah. I'm fine with paying more. But, so it's not a perfect system, you know, in that way. But at, but at the, but it's fucking a hundred billion times better than what I oh, was absolutely. dealing with before. I mean, there were there were taxis that I would get in before. I get to the end of the ride and I and they'd be like twenty bucks, and I'd be like, oh, okay, here's my credit card. And they're like, I don't take credit cards, son. Yeah, and, I, and I'd be like, uh, why didn't you tell me that? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't have any cash. Like people don't carry cash anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, can't you please take my credit? It's like no. And he's like, well, now we got to go to an ATM. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, whereas with Uber, I don't even have to give him a credit nope, card. You don't have to do anything. So, <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and you know, you introduced me to Uber back in the day, and it also changed my mode of transportation. In Bogota, it's a lifesaver, even though it was illegal, even though I complained about, um, or, or not illegal, but whatever, um, not allowed technically. I will say this, though. Because uh, it can't be that illegal, because it would be really easy to sting. All you'd have to do as a cop is call an Uber, have them come, and yeah. then you just arrest them. It's so, just not allowed, and, but, but, and then they have easy workarounds. Because, like I said, they just claim they just say, "Oh, I work for a hotel." But it must not be like terribly illegal. Otherwise, no one would do it. If, yeah. you, if they were locking up people in jail, no, no, yeah. probably not. And and they there was also the risk that taxis had been pulling Ubers over, dragging the passengers and the Uber driver, and beating them up. <laughs> now, what I was going to say is that uh, similar stories when companies start businesses in, in impoverished areas in other parts of the world where those people didn't actually have jobs or didn't have well-paying jobs. And all of a sudden, they have jobs that pay more than they had ever made, which for us is like cents. It's paltry. But now they can support fa their family. But they get overworked and people do die and it's terrible conditions. But there have been those arguments too, which is like, well, it's still an improvement for what they had before. The way I look at it is like, it, it is great that, that, you know, the trend is towards better, but it doesn't excuse doing things 
that are super shady or super totally. immoral. You know? Yeah. And I am a huge supporter of of a minimum income yeah. of some sort. And so, you know, we could solve a lot of problems if we either raise the minimum wage like we did actually in Seattle. Right. Or we just guaranteed a minimum income for everybody. Right. Um, so, but that's not fucking Uber's fault is the point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you're going to blame Uber, then you got to blame any minimum wage organization. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, anyway. All right. So other implications. Um, safety. We need to be careful with our brain interfaces. I, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, we're, you know, uh, brain interfacing – in the movies, it's like you just, you know, like the Matrix, you just shove that thing in your head and you're fine. <laughs> and once we start actually do, you know, do, do this more and more over the next 50 to 100 years, which we absolutely will start doing, I guarantee you there's going to be problems, you know, because <laughs> infections at the very least, let yeah. alone like, like electrical issues or just, yeah. you know, screwing up connections of some sort. Well, even before there's anything actually fluidly in there. Um, I don't know if you if you follow the conferences from the big companies, but recently Facebook did their their annual announcements and things like that, and uh, they had one of their their head researcher um, on their more advanced projects. Uh, she was demoing and talking about a brain electrode interface to let you type. Uh, just from thinking the words, and she was saying that in three years that she thinks it's it's three years out. Typing a hundred words a minute, they demoed it. They demoed a version of it. No way. Uh, I mean, it, it, it actually makes sense how they're doing it because great. But three years? Yeah, three years. Let's make a bet. All right, that, that like regular humans, regular not, humans, not not in the lab, not in the lab. Regular humans are gonna be typing with their brain. Typing with their brain in about three years. I'll bet you a dollar All right. that it's... All right. I'll, I'll even give you five years. But, no, 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 but no, no, we'll no, say no. three. Let's do three. Well, I mean, so it's 2017. Let's say by the end of 2020. Whatever. It's three and a half years. End of 2030. I no, guarantee no. you that people aren't... You and me are not going to have brain implants to type. You're not paying attention then. You're like this all the time. You th- uh-uh. That's I, why I want to lock you down on this one because... All right, let's do it. <laughs> like, like it's wishful thinking and no. it's believing the hype. I mean, it will happen eventually for sure. Right. But Siri can't even understand what I'm saying. I know, but that one is... So this... The reason that example is illustrative is because it seems like voice recognition has always been the same. But you know that it is freaking magical these days. You can type it's, it's better. whole sentences into it's, your phone from talking. It's better. It's crazy. It, it's better under some applications, but I mean, I, I, but I still type. I don't talk. I, I mean, I can send most of my text messages from talking now. Sure. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's great. We went from like, uh, which, uh, you know, where did you like to be connected? Yeah. Um, accounting. Uh, software? Yeah. No, accounting. Yeah. Software? Like, I, I actually know this research kind of well yeah. brain interfacing and i'm telling you 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 just you've believed the hype one interfacing with the brain is a massively invasive thing if if you truly want to interface with the brain if you're just going to detect things on the outside like you're just going to wear a, a helmet like a detector on the yep. like in your hair then the signal drops significantly. The amount of electricity that or electromagnetism that's actually crossing your your hair is extremely low. 
um, to the um, the ability to accurately represent a word from an electrical impulse. And again, this is the surface of the surface of your brain. You right. know, you have all these folds and connections. You know, you're 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 trying to gauge something from what's happening through the skull. Right. <laughs> and and also the brain isn't when when I type the word October, there's only one way to type that word. To think the word October, I associate that with with uh, football. With, you know, if I think the word October, a lot of images and associations come to mind that right. are going to be hard to sift through. Yeah, you don't have to do that, though, because just like a lot of the other things that they've been doing, you you do have to basically train yourself to use the system. Yeah. But so in essence, and this is where the risk could come, because we don't know what, you know, having your brain do random different things will do to other actions. But, but essentially... Um, you just start learning that, like, okay, that's how I write and that's how I write. But the, the way that they're trying to do it is to try to connect it as closely as possible to the act of visually writing. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, s- trying. And one day will, but in three years. Three and a half years. Absolutely not. Three and a half years. There in will three be years, some. In, in three and a half years, they will be incrementally closer but like on a scale from 1 to 10 they'll take it from a 2 to a 2.1 there are so many other things like I've read the research because there's not it's not just typing who cares about that you can I mean other than people who can't no but that's what they're aiming for I'm not saying oh it'll just read your mind and you can control everything it's specifically typing right and so they have been working on a lot of different things along these lines how to move a robotic arm for instance how to move your chair, you know? And th- so there's a lot of research in this area, and it's promising, you know? And, and there seem to be some things that may be able to work out in the future, but the interface between brain and, and sensor that we can manufacture is extremely crude at this point. You know? Totally. The thing, I, I grant you all that. There's something that has radically changed every single field of computing in the last five years, and computer learning, it. and it is computer learning specifically multi-layered deep learning, right? And now reinforcement learning. Well, but it's not your mom's or my dad's computer learning. <laughs> Whatever. No, no, it isn't. It isn't. It, it really it's fine. is. It's it, it, it's fine. It it learns from its mistakes. Whatever. But no, no, it, no. It's not going to uh, bring you your future faster than you think. But it actually, but, and we have a bet. So yeah, so we we'll do have a bet. Who, we'll but, see who wins. But we have to maybe do an episode on this because it's. It's not your your daddy's machine learning. It's not trivial, and it's and it's and it has some shocking applications that have worked. But it's not going to it's not going to bring that reality closer. If we had in three and a half years mainstream usage of an implant to type, which is your bet, right? Yeah, I don't know how many people will own but, it, but they will be able to put this on early, a normal human Early being. adopter, early yeah, adopters, like right. the first people who had a CD yeah, player yeah, yeah. will have this implant in their head. Or Not some, implant, just the thing they can wear that can let them type just without, you know, just with their thinking. And they type. use it instead of their keyboard because they like it well, more than their keyboard. Hold on. Now you're adding additional variables to our bet. Well, okay, fine. That's not fair because even they people... They can use it. It's can just, use it, it's yes. just as yes. convenient as typing. Uh, that's still not fair because, for example, there are people that to this day, 
much prefer. Well, now you're putting things on it because no, because you no. were like, dude, we're gonna be using this. No, soon. no, no, that's not. No, I said it will. It will. Here, I, to get very specific, there will be a device that any normal human being not in a lab can wear and type, and, and they're claiming 100 words per minute. Let's say it's 50 words per minute. Okay. But it, whether or not people prefer it to a typewriter I, or a you know keyboard, I, I didn't say that. Because, for example, today you can type. Well, I, I guess we're going to have to not bore the listeners with getting yeah. more specific on this because – we have to decide. We have to define what fifty words a minute means. Does that mean like ten percent error rate or something? Well, because the, the, when the, I type, you know, I'm pretty accurate. But I but imagine that when people think their words, it's not going to be very accurate. The, the only reason I want to be not put it that because if I had told you, and I don't know, ten years ago, like, hey, at some point I'm going to be able to move my finger in zigzag patterns on a piece of glass, and that will type for me. And like, well, maybe someday in the future. And then now we can do that. But, but if you would, pref- but I still prefer a keyboard. Sure, but if you had told me ten years ago that that technology was going to exist, I'd be like, "Yeah, maybe," because the ability for a computer to recognize a pattern uh, as uh, you're yeah. touching it. I, I want to be. I'm not. I'm not conflating those two as example. All I'm saying is, just because we now have that technology doesn't mean it's replaced. It, it, I still prefer a keyboard. Sure. But people do. I know people who do Oh, that. I use that all the time. I knew people who use that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. But I, but, I, but I prefer a physical keyboard to typing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it annoys me that you think that things are going to happen closer than <laughs> they do. <laughs> it shouldn't annoy me, but it does. I, I, I find it I, – I don't know what it is about it that annoys me. It's just it, – it, you can think, obviously, Berto, whatever you want to about the future, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I just uh, – I have a – I guess part of the annoyance is that I've personally been burned for many years around stuff like that. You know, like you, you get this, you read this article and you get, or you see a presentation, you yeah. get convinced. Like VR, honestly, I, in um, early 90s, 93, 94, a, a startup in Redmond uh, had me do market research for their VR goggles. And they had totally VR headsets with sound. They had two little – they were two tiny little tube yeah. TVs that <laughs> were in front of your eyes, and it worked, man. It was 3D, cool. and they were like, you're going to watch movies in 3D. You're going to play video games in 3D, and soon we'll put a sensor on the top of your head, and it'll track your head movement. It's going to be great, and I was just like, holy crap. Right. And they, they set a price point of like, well, for the light version, it's going to be $800. For the more advanced version, it's gonna, I mean, it was, it was right. ready to go. And we were doing market research on actual human beings to see how they reacted to it. So I thought like, well, in a few years, I'm going to have one of these things. Right. All the movies are going to be in 3D. Everything's going to be awesome. We still haven't reached that point. It's 2017. <laughs> well, now we do have those devices. We have those <laughs> devices kind of, which I actually want to get into in a second. But but we're still not in the vision that I thought we would be a year in, – in, in 2005, I thought we were going to be in the full VR world. And – in in my vision that I thought we were going to be in in no 1995 did I say mm-hmm. 2005 whatever I said I meant it was 1995 I thought we were going to be in this world of VR yeah, and yeah. we're still not in the world I envisioned in my head and there's been a lot of examples of that where I've just been burned and then so I think I'm just projecting my own sort of like uh, <laughs> humility into I I think it works both ways because on the one hand that's absolutely true I thought for sure for sure I thought. By the year 2012, we would have electric cars everywhere, you know? 
Um, I just thought that was, and I, I mean, I thought that back in the late eighties when I was a kid, I was like, oh yeah, we're going to, uh, uh, there's been so many technologies that should have already been here and stuff. So I, I totally agree with you. Some things though are, but the, but the things that, that like we're talking about right now are, are things that just for whatever reason, the infrastructure wasn't, wasn't invested there. Like people just didn't think there was a market enough for it or something, or, the public didn't take to it or something. But a brain interface is actually much more complicated than, than commonly understood. And people who are trying to sell tech, like someone at Facebook, have a lot of reasons to act like it's right in the near future when sure. you talk to actual neurologists and brain surgeons. Which they have on staff. On staff. On staff. Talk to an independent person oh, who actually yeah. reads the research, which yeah. I have, and they will be like, not likely. I mean, we are, we're interfacing and it is in our future, but the notion that we're going to have common usage of brain interface is actually really naive. Um, anyway, so well, we're, we've got a bet going. We do. And we'll see if we remember it. <laughs> uh, okay. VR tech, uh, la, la, la. We've just went over that. Um, da, da, da. Okay. Next episode, shut up and dance. This is my favorite episode. Same. All right. Shut Up and Dance came out 2016, directed by James Watkins, who has worked on a number of movies, but the only one I recognized was he wrote The Descent Part 2. Do you remember The Descent Part 1? Yes. What, what do you remember about that movie? Um, I really loved the, most of the movie, but it, it, like most horror movies, once they actually introduced and visually introduced the baddies, yeah. it started going downhill, <laughs> literally. And then... Uh, the the last I don't know twenty minutes were sort of silly, right? But but the first part was great. Yeah, I the, was fir- really the first half it. was like totally real. Yeah, and just I mean they're spelunking and they're crawling yeah. through these tiny little holes. They're deep in the under the ground. It's, it's just like women, right? There's like four yep. or five women, and then like these weird things start happening, and you're like, oh my god, they're they're stuck under. I mean, I'm getting nervous yes. just thinking about it. they're they're stuck under the ground, you know, and they. They they can't get out of this cave very easily. It's not even a cave. It's like it's like I don't know. They're like deep under massive cave yeah. systems. Yeah, and and then yeah, once the actual monsters emerge, then it's just... and I don't remember the details, but I feel like at the time I was like, oh my god, if they had you know there was like five tweaks they could have made, and then the whole thing would have been great. Well, it, uh, the one of the tweaks that I would have suggested would be don't show. The don't show the don't show the monsters. No, at least nowhere near that much. Yeah, I mean, they got to scenes where the monsters were just they were kind of like zombies. Yeah. I think they were actually humans who evolved, like white white uh, to, to live. Yeah, yeah, to live in. You know. I was the thing that came to mind was um, you know uh, precious Gollum. Yeah, right, right. Uh, written by Charlie Brooker, who is the main Black Mirror guy, along with William Bridges, starring Alex Lothar and Jerome Flynn, who was Braun in Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, Alex Lothar, the kid, was just an amazing actor in this. I mean, I believed him. Yeah. Okay, here's the plot. Kenny is a teenager. He comes home and realizes that his sister has been using his laptop, and she accidentally downloaded a virus or, or something. You know, just a real common situation there. He comes home. He says, "Use my 
you use my <laughs> laptop. She's like, yeah, I, something happened. And he's like, well, what were you doing? She's like, well, I don't know. I was watching some movie or something. And then all of a sudden, your laptop started acting funny. So he brings it into his room and he runs some antiviral software of some kind. And but, I knew right off the bat. Well, I thought I knew right off the bat. It's like, oh, boy. Yeah, right. He's watching porn or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in reality, he hadn't really gotten rid of the right. the, the virus. He uses his laptop to look at porn, and he masturbates. Uh, very cringeworthy scene yeah. <laughs> with that. but Which I thought was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it really sells the what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. And it's so mundane. You know, yep. we have a... I don't know, 18 year old kid that right. is in his room and he, you know, he kind of goes to his door and, you know, no one's coming. No one's coming. And, you know, <laughs> he, he unzips his pants, you know, and, and the, now at this point, a hacker has full control of his computer or can record from his, from his, you know, vid cam. Right. Um, do you put tape over your webcam on your laptop? Uh, no, but I never do that in front of my laptop <laughs> but i mean it could record doing anything it could record yeah, like conversations or i just don't really keep my laptop open normally but yeah except at work i suppose yeah but, no well, I, I always put uh tape over that because me like you it's not like they're gonna see anything they're just gonna see me like looking at my calendar or something yeah. but at the same time it's staring right at me yeah I, you know i'm on the computer and it's i just feel like there's <laughs> i just i i always assume hackers are Involved, like I, I, well, yeah. I, I just assume it. Anytime a hacker, I mean, is in my phone, a hacker, I because I heard some stat that like, like on a daily basis, your computer is being hacked by by somebody. You well, know? there have definitely been ransom, uh, ransomware things, yeah. like in in the episode where, uh, yeah, in fact, my mom, who is normally really tech savvy, she fell for one of them. Oh, my mom did too. Yeah. Tell me, recently. Tell yeah. me tell me about it, yours. It was, you know, I get a call from my mom and she's like, Oh, Beto, I just want to double check something because I don't think it's right. And she tells me what happened. So she was sitting there working or whatever and she gets this crash error. Oh my God. My mom like, has said the same right. thing. And she's like, Oh, what is this? And it says, you know, and it says, Oh, click here for the Microsoft solution or something like that. And she's like, Okay. So she clicked the button, which I was like, Mom, what? Oh, mine's, so she, mine's worse than this. So she clicked the button, and then she goes to this website. It says, oh, we will give you live support. Oh, no. Live it, support. It, it is. And this. so she calls, yeah. and or they call her, she calls, whatever. Now she's on the phone, and they're like, okay, well, for such and such, 250 bucks or whatever, we can clear your system. And But she's telling me this all after the fact. I'm yeah. like, oh, Mom, no, you didn't. You didn't. She's like... I did. I didn't think oh I had God. a choice. It was some viruses. You are telling me. The oh my God. The exact. Was this like two or three weeks ago? No, it was a little longer. It was actually last year. It, they've been oh. doing this for a while. Well, exactly. Word for word. Same thing happened. With Predatory. Me. This was like three. I wanted to fucking kill. I know. I mean, who? Uh, my, my mom. You know I know. What I mean? But yeah, exact same story. My mom is pretty good with tech stuff. But, you know. Not like you and me, good, but like good for her age. Yeah, Just same with it, my mom. Yeah, and right, she calls me up. Um, I'm actually in Disneyland at the time. Oh no! And she calls me up and she says, she says, Kirk, you know, I just wanted to call because I'm I'm her tech, right? I'm her <laughs> IT person, 
and which is funny because you know like compared to you or something sure but i think we are all our generation is our previous generation's tech support so she calls me up i'm in disneyland and she's like oh kirk i just wanted to call you because i want to double check i'm um i i i was sitting on my computer and this pop-up came up and it said that (laughs) my computer was infected and that i needed to call this number in order to have it erased have you know blah 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 like and and I said, Mom, tell me you didn't call the number. Oh, no. And she's like, Well, of course I, I had no choice. <laughs> yeah, she's like, Of course I called the number. It said. No. And I'm like, Oh, Mom. Oh, and I was like, Okay, well, what you know, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, maybe she just talked. I I was I was hoping for the best. And I'm like, Okay, uh, well, so you didn't give him your credit card because I'm thinking. My mom knows it, uh, her generation is paranoid about everything, right? Yeah, they right. they shred everything. They right. they never want to give out. You know, when even when it's not a big deal, they're like they're usually paranoid. So I thought, well, surely, mom, you didn't give him your credit card. She's like, of course okay, I gave how him. How was I going to pay? For how the- was I going to pay for oh. this? And I was like, oh my god, mom. Okay, well, hey, cancel the card. You're going to have to immediately. But and then I was like, well, so what? What else happened? She's like, well. A lot happened. I was like, well, what do you mean a lot happened? She's like, well, I was on the phone with him for two hours. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what could possibly have happened in those two hours? And she's like, well, he, I gave him access to my computer. Oh, no. And 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 let him, like, remote, oh my God. remotely control her computer. I think my mom did that, too. And at this point, I'm like... Not only is your all your information available oh, to this God. person, but probably my information. Yeah. Like you have now, you know, sh- he's gone into your Gmail account, right? And now has access to me. Yeah, and I'm just like you, and I'm fr- I'm now like mom, and she's like, you didn't see the you know uh, the pop up no. thing, and I'm like I'm like mom, you realize it's it's designed to yeah, to, to scare you, you. and she's like. She and she's like, "Well, you didn't see it." And I'm like, actually, I should. <laughs> My mom is a patron. She listens to this. So, mom, I love you. You know that I do. Hey, my mom fell right in. Yeah. And and I actually saw a version of this and uh on someone else's computer and I was like, "Oh, I get it." It looks scary. Well, it not only is scary, but it's like no other. It was. It's like a. It's like a very specific looking yeah. kind of scare tactic. If I saw it, I would. I would immediately know that it's not right. You know yeah. what I mean? Just because I don't know. Just oh, totally. <laughs> I just don't trust anything along those. Well, lines. and I've been. I've been. I've been attacked, infected enough times. Right. And you know, had to wipe machines clean. Right. So. <laughs> Plus, I know what my software, what my detection software, kind of looks like. That's you know right. what I mean? And, and it doesn't usually go. And, and it talked like it. The one that I saw on oh, my wow. on someone else's computer, it actually says, "Your computer is infected. Your computer is like like <laughs> I know I know that my antivirus software doesn't talk to me." You know? And so this is not a test. Yeah, yeah. If this had only been a test, you have five seconds to comply. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like that, yeah. you know. But anyway. You know, well, uh, yeah, and, and like so, you have to like w- take the computer, have them wipe it entirely, cancel the credit card, and pray. Right, pray that, that. Well, so I told her what to do, and and she immediately, 
did it. She canceled her card. She changed her password. She brought the computer to the Apple store. They helped her out. She she did all this. She took an entire day, and she feels horrible about it, by the way. <laughs> she feels she's miserable about it, and uh, and she'll maybe she'll be happy to hear that your mom fell for it, too. Well, it's not just our mom. Like, tons of... This is how they make their money. Yeah. And they make a ton of money. Yeah. And I just... I swear to God, this guy... If I could find him, I would. See, I mean, I don't want to punch that many people in the face, but oh, I would. No. I mean, you and me both, man. <laughs> like, it's crazy. You're, you're preying on my mother. You're taking her money. You're tri- yeah. you're scaring her, and then taking like, it's akin to walking up to her house and like, you know, g- g- saying, "There's a robber coming. Give me, yes. give me five hundred dollars." It just makes me want to throttle. I'll these protect people. your house. Yeah. It is literally the mob, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, it'd be a shame if anything were to happen to your store. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you get those F, uh, the IRS calls when they were happening from no, India? No. Oh, see, that was annoying. But I, that one, I think many of us knew right away it was BS. But but they they fooled a lot of people. They made like like hundreds of millions or something, and then they finally got caught. Mm. Uh, but you know, you'd get this call. It's like with a thick Indian accent saying, uh, "Hi, I'm such and such from the IRS, and <laughs> you owe us." Uh, oh no! Sorry, uh, and this is about a warrant for your arrest because and you're like uh, what? And it's like because of unpaid taxes, right? Like this is how they open, <laughs> and so you need to give us this information and all these kind of. Things. Oh like, yeah, I've heard about. Yeah. That. yeah, and then I, you know, I, I was like, in my call, I was like, oh, that's interesting. How much do I owe? And then he made some number up. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, what's your name? Uh, what do you need to know? I just want to make sure I'm taking notes so I can have all the information. Yeah. And and he said, "Well, you don't need to know my name. Well, I like to know your name." And, like, and then at, at one point, he kind of like gave up and he hung up. And but the number he had called from wasn't uh, like a block number, so I called the number back. <laughs> and he picks up, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hi, uh, yeah, I was just wondering what your name is." And like I called him two more times, and the 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 third time, he's like, "You motherfuck, you motherfuck," you, and then hung up again. <laughs> you motherfuck. You motherfuck. <laughs> Yeah, I got one of the. There's also another common one where they call businesses and tell them that their toner is needs like they're the toner supplier. Have you ever heard of this before? Oh no. Yeah, there's some. If I have it right, uh, and I got it called because everyone thinks I'm Kirkland Honda. There's, oh, right. there's a Honda dealership in Kirkland, Washington, and they think I'm Kirk Kirkland Honda. So I'm always getting these like you know spam calls about like that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I got a call. And, and it's a common one. Where, and I remember I just heard about it, and then like a month later, I got the call, and they're like, they're like, so uh, yeah, so you know, your toner, we got a notification that your toner's low, and we need to send out some more, some something like that, where it it tricks like, mm. if you just randomly get that one person in your business that actually controls your toner, it's a common thing to like just say, okay, yeah, I'll order some more. And they're like, okay, well, I need your business credit card or something. Or I, uh. I think that's our, <laughs> but I, I started messing with them and I was just like, oh yeah, well, he's, yeah, I do want to order some more. And he's like, oh, okay, great. How much? And I'm like, well, how much was my previous order? You know, cause I just want to order the same mm-hmm. amount. And he's like, oh, Russell, Russell. Oh, I don't know if we have that in front of me. I was like, oh man, you know, I think it'd be really, so I, I just, <laughs> I just kept him <laughs> on the phone. I was like, and by the way, your service is really great because the last time you did, it was like really fast. He's like, oh, thanks. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So you know, anyway, <laughs> that's so good. I do love doing those things with the yeah. when I can. Anyway, I love you, mom. And anytime you want to help me with your IT problems, there's this, you know, there's this new TV show. Actually, one of the directors of Black Mirror 
Uh, I think Mike Sh- Michael Schur is working on a new sh- a new show that's on right now that has Ted Danson in it called The Good Place. Have you heard oh, this? Week? No, I haven't. It's a TV show about heaven. It has. Um, oh no, no, I did hear about this. It has the girl from. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I saw what's that her preview. Face? Yeah, um, she she dies and she goes she goes to the good place, which is a word yeah. for heaven. And um, why am I telling you that right now? Oh, so so when you die, you have a score, kind of like, <laughs> and, and 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 when you do a good thing, you get points, and when you do a bad thing, you get negative points. And if you do a really good thing, you get more points. Well. When one person is calculating all the good things they've done in their life, one of the good things was help your mom with her computer. <laughs> and it gave you and it was like a big amount, you know. Oh, it was like wow. <laughs> if you help your mom with her computer, you get like 20,000 points or something. <laughs> and so uh, I I uh I get, you know, I just know that you if there 20, if there is a heaven, I I am going to get a good <laughs> a good 20,000 point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh But then they're like you didn't brag about it on any public forums. <laughs> that's did a you? that's a minus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in this episode, uh, the hacker emails Kenny after he's masturbated in front of his in front of his uh, laptop. The hacker tells Kenny that he has video of him masturbating and he'll release it to everyone in his contact list if Kenny doesn't follow his orders. And at this point, you really hate this hacker. You're just like. Why are you picking on this kid who just masturbated? Like, what's the big deal? Kenny is clearly terrified, just terrified of this video, of this video getting out. So he does whatever the hacker tells him to do. The hacker has him making him run all over town. Yeah. Eventually, go ahead. Well, and to the point where you start wondering as the viewer, look, that is very embarrassing, but But, I mean, come on. Right. Because he has, um, uh, eventually, Kenny is commanded to meet up with Bronn from Game of Thrones, who is also a victim of the hacker for right. having cheated on his wife with a sex worker. Uh, they're ordered to, to the both of them are ordered to rob a bank. Yeah. And so, yeah, at this point, you're just like, maybe you should just let you know the masturbation video get out there. Like, Talk to the authorities. Let you know. Yeah. You're you're about to be you're about to rob a bank. Yeah. But he does it. And but this, we don't know the full story, <laughs> right? And this is a very realistic scene here when he's sitting outside that bank. Yes, and he's like, "I've got, I, I have no choice. I have to rob this bank." But I'm an 18 year old kid, and I'm kind of shy and awkward, yeah. and I have a gun in my hand, and there's no way I'm going to walk in there and rob this bank. And and he's, you just feel the terror. This is when the director, writer, actor combo is just really kicking in here. Um, then eventually Kenny is ordered to go into the woods alone, which he does. Kenny meets up with another victim of the hacker. So, you know, Kenny keeps bumping into all these other guys and right. women who are apparently being controlled by this hacker, blackmailed for something that they did. Okay, so moving forward in this story, trigger alert, we're going to talk about child molestation and pedophilia. You might want to skip forward 20 minutes or so. Or six hours at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he meets up with this other victim in the woods and they both basically reveal to the audience us that they were both caught by the hacker masturbating to child pornography so he wasn't just so we didn't ever see the porn he was looking at we just saw him masturbating but we just assumed that he was just embarrassed to be shown masturbating right but in reality we see that it went from a you know on a scale from one to ten of embarrassment it went from a two to 
to an 11. Two and going to jail. Right, <laughs> right. In terms of, you know, a video of him masturbating to child pornography. Right. Uh, the hacker commands them to fight to the death while the hacker watches from a drone. And I think they even say, like, whoever survives is off the hook or something. Yeah. And Kenny has a gun, and he points it toward the man, and then he says, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't shoot this innocent man. I'll, I guess I have to kill myself. And so he tries to shoot himself in the head, and there's no bullets in the, in the gun. Oh, yes. And so then <laughs> the two of them fight, and then exit music for a film by Radiohead starts to play. Which gave me chills. Yep. This, this when when I at the end of this episode was when I had finally decided that Black Mirror was one of the best things that's ever been created. <laughs> when when that song kicks in and it's just perfectly, what's the lead singer of Radiohead's? What's his name? Tom York. Tom York. When, his voice is just so perfect, and it builds, <laughs> and it's and it's exit music for a film. You right. know, it's it's at the end of this episode. Uh, the hacker. Uh, even though uh, everyone is doing whatever this hacker says, the hacker releases all the information of all the, all the victims to everyone, uh, and then the troll face comes on. Yeah, uh, that that classic internet troll face um, that annoys me whenever I see it. Bron uh, <laughs> returns home. His wife is upset because she now knows that he had sex with a sex worker. A woman who was a victim of the hacker is outed because she was sending racist emails to people or, you know, emails that had racist things in it or something. Uh, Kenny survives the fight. Presumably he kills this other child molester, this other pedophile. And his mom calls and says that the press has evidence of him masturbating to child porn and she's completely freaking out. Now, Now he's freaking out. He just killed someone. It's on camera. And... Yeah. By the way, I don't think we actually knew if that it was child porn till that call. Uh, no, we knew because when he meets up with the other with the other with the guy in the woods, the guy in the woods is like, "What do they have you for?" You know, the the, the guy in the 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 older guys looks to Kenny. He's like, "What you know? What's the hacker got on you? What are they blackmailing you about?" And Kenny's just like, "I was just." I was just, I was just masturbating. I was just looking at pictures. It was just one picture, and the old guy's like, "Oh, you mean like yeah?" But how they didn't confirm. Oh, yeah. He's like, "How how young?" And 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 Kenny kind of indicates like, uh, you know, it, it's it's communicated that Kenny is he doesn't want to say it, but he's. He's agreeing with the other guy. See, okay, so you, I think you perceive, you know, usually you're like, I don't, I don't catch these things. I think you caught this one a little more than maybe, uh, than maybe I did because at that moment in the episode, I didn't conclude yet that he had, that it was, that, but maybe I don't remember it right. Yeah, I think if you rewatch that scene where the two guys are in the wood, yeah, it's, it's, you know. Okay, Um, okay, implications. Uh, Justice. Is this justice? (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't. You can't run a society like this. Who is this person? How did they, you know, <laughs> how did they get endowed with the? What if they themselves are a pedophile? What if they themselves are, you know? <laughs> yeah, and like so. No, you you have to. Yeah, I mean, it has an element of justice to us. Justice mm, to it, right? Not really. Someone died, and uh, well, I'm the, just saying the victims are no better off. And, the victims. 
it could be argued, and I'm not arguing, yeah. but I'm just saying there people could say that they deserve what they got. Yeah, when I was younger, I certainly felt more and more that way, uh, or very strongly that way. Uh, I've sort of started siding maybe with the Nor- Norwegian attitude towards crime, which is hard to do with extreme stuff, but... Um, I, I, okay, What's the, the Norwegian attitude? Just more like uh, you know, their prisons are not about punishment, but about rehabilitation and stuff like that. Now, uh, all that aside, I obviously the obvious point is that the that the the hacker was outside of the law as well, and they were breaking any number of laws as well. Right. So no, ultimately, it's not correct. Right. You, yeah, you like people to follow the rule of law. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'm a little bit more liberal about that because the laws aren't always a reflection of my morality. I just think it, what I would have done is just release the information. Yeah. Okay. Just do that. Okay. Okay. So would you consider that justice? Yeah. That that's because I don't think that's illegal. Maybe it is. But whether so that one I would be willing to go well, more gray. Got to be an invasion of privacy or something. Fine. But that one I'd be able to go more gray on. It's like okay. He broke into their computers, but really he was trying to find these bastards. Yeah. Okay. So if if there was a vigilante that found an 18-year-old kid masturbating child porn and hacked into his computer and then took a video and then posted that online. That's, that's hard. I mean, it's hard. But but I guess I'm, I'm weighing that against or you have these people going to these crazy dangerous quests that could hurt innocent bystanders left and right that result in murder. And it, yeah, I'm going to go with the other one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that I would. Um, well, do we want hackers? Because there are, you know, we yeah. have we have anonymous, right? That yep. that presumably does stuff like this. Do we want hackers doing stuff like this? Um, you know, a- outing uh, a, a, you know, say anonymous finds some incriminating emails from Donald Trump. Yeah. No, I think that ultimately um, we sort of do to an extent because we've always had – if you think about uh, newspaper – or uh, how do you call it? Reporters? The press? The press. The, re- the press have sort of been hackers in the past without computers. Muckrakers. Right? Like when a, when, a, when a reporter is socially engineering tidbits of information out of someone that then they use to – get even more meaty tidbits of information from someone else and that they slowly become a story that's a breaking news story about Watergate, that's kind of like hacking. Yeah. But we sort of want that. Now, I guess one big difference is if in the process they broke laws, well, then they did break laws. If if a hacker broke laws because they broke into systems, illegal and stuff like that, yeah, that, that is breaking the law. Well, Do we want it? I, in, in terms of your analogy, just to kind of drive this home a little bit, I don't, I don't remember, but in Watergate, I believe some people actually were technically breaking right. at least regulations yeah. regarding the dissemination of 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 uh, government secrets. Yeah, and, well, I, I guess and, maybe. And, an, uh, sorry, and therefore they're breaking some kind of rule or law. Yeah. in order to let the press know, and so. It's it's kind of like a form of hacking. A simpler question could be, do we want whistleblowers? And I think the answer to that in general is yes. We want to allow whistleblowers. But do I want a hacker periodically checking my computer to make sure I'm not doing it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, there, there are some nice things about this, but but it, it again, as we've talked about for another episode, Black Mirror always rides right down the line because yeah. if this eighteen-year-old had killed someone or was a serial killer or a serial rapist or something, yeah, then we would all be like, "Kill it, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah!" Glad he got what he got. Yeah, but he there was no indication that he actually had harmed anyone. Right now, child porn is and the and the participation of the consumption of it is its own harm because yeah. kids have to be exploited. If no one ever consumed it, then people would sort of lose interest in producing it. Right. And so there's that crime that he made. But, you know, on the scale of harming actual human beings, um, not as high as actually having harmed another uh, a poor yeah. child. And so, so it's right down the line of it's like, yeah. well, we don't like that, but it's not, it's not like super damnable yeah um now for me i i would not like to live in a world like that but i wouldn't mind living in a world where hackers outed people that for instance got away with murder yeah or or got away with child abuse or rape or something yeah the dream is to have only batmans not jokers Um, okay, so we're also going to talk a little bit about pedophilia. They they portray the the two pedophiles as being extremely normal, nice guys. The two pedophiles that they show these these guys, both of these you know guys that fight to the right. death, are portrayed in this very sympathetic light. And you, and presu- and especially Kenny, you absolutely you know have empathy for him. Right. For the first bit of time, he's he's portrayed. You know, you just really feel bad for him for a lot of the time. And they they never show or indicate that either one of these guys has actually harmed anyone. From from what we can tell from this from the story, the way it's portrayed, it it almost seems like they're saying they've never actually harmed anyone. They've just masturbated to child porn. Yeah, and then the other guy that was helping Kenny, the Braun. Braun. He cheated, right? Right. So it wasn't even a pedophilia thing. He was right. he had cheated on his wife. Right. But my point is, is about pedophiles. Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, it's true that some pedophiles are actually um, they never pedophile meaning pedo child file love. Right. You are sexually attracted to binars, um, and there's variance in terms of age specificity, but you're attracted to someone twelve or younger sexually speaking. Um, and people that have that sexual attraction, some of them won't ever act on it. Right. Some of them won't even look at child porn. So this... And certainly you can't um, condemn that they might have thoughts. Right. That are not that, even acting at all on it. Right. And the scientific community, the consensus is that this is something that you're born with or you develop. Out it's not trauma. a, tr- it's not a choice, you know, yeah. for, for many people. Now, for some people, it absolutely is a choice. There are people, so there are many different kinds of pedophile. There are many different kinds of people who will be either attracted to children sexually or abuse children sexually. There are people, so there's several different categories. There, there's a category of people that we can say is like Kenny, who we might assume has never actually harmed anyone who is absolutely sexually attracted to children, which is totally bizarre to me, but, you know, there you go. And you don't know if he was abused or what triggered it, but... Right. Often they're abused. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there there seems to be some genetic links. 
there uh, there's totally a, it, a, a, an environment link. Every time I've come across someone who's attracted to children, which isn't very often, there's always some kind of weird sexual thing in right. their development. It doesn't have to be abuse, but it could be like just kind of a weird sexual attitude happening in their family. And he's also at a weird age, meaning 18, you're just coming out of the teens when you, just a couple of years ago, you were 16. Yeah. And if you have friends, many of your friends could be two years younger than you. But and presumably it was like six-year-olds that oh, he was I looking at. Right. I mean, the hacker wouldn't you know, bother. If he was looking at 16-year-olds, I'm sure yeah. he wouldn't have worried so much about it. But uh, I guess I was thinking about how sometimes 18- or 19-year-olds get, get convicted oh. of uh, of sexual yeah. – what is it? Uh, well, a, a crime, offense, sexual offense. Yes, yeah, se- being assault. sexual offenders yeah. because they had sex with an underage, but the underage was like their 16-year-old girlfriend or 15-year-old girlfriend. Yeah, again, the yeah. law has nothing to do with reality yeah. or only – there's a Venn diagram of the law and yeah, reality. Yeah. And you know, a 17-year-old girl can send a naked picture of herself to her 17-year-old boyfriend right. and she's committed a crime. Right. And right, she right. could be registered as a, as a sex, <laughs> sex offender. Yeah, right. yeah. So um, – because of the trafficking of child porn. Right. Um, so, okay. So, uh, there are many. So, there's that. So, there's the Kenny type. And then you have the Kennys who actually abuse. And then you have a whole other category of people who actually aren't necessarily attracted to children, but they're, but they, but they're sadistic and they're psychopathic and they actually like to, they just like to uh, cause suffering right. in the world. And, since children are easy targets and are easily abused right. and are terrified of a lot of things, they will unfortunately target children with sexual abuse just because they like to make people suffer. Right. Now, there are people who overlap. You have pedophiles who are sadistic and you have pedophiles who are psychopathic, but you have psychopaths who aren't pedophiles and you have pedophiles who aren't psychopathic. Right. So. But we tend to treat all pedophiles as if they're psychopathic. We tend to treat all pedophiles as if they are they have an uncontrollable compulsion to harm children. Yeah, the mental model is uh, the the clown in the ice cream truck. Yeah, the the insane what is it John Wayne, Wayne Gacy or whatever. Or, yeah, yeah, right. And so it's 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 different, you know. Uh, now, for many of them, it is a compulsion that they can't control and they can't be treated, or it's hard to treat, but. But for some, it's not. It's it's a complicated thing, is the thing. Yeah. Um, so I thought that this this episode, I don't know if it was unintentional or intentional, but it it kind of raised that question. Yeah, it wrote know? that line. Right, because it's like we're supposed to feel bad for this guy, um, and and I think kind of the point of at the end, they're trying to make you feel like bad for him. You know, like he just masturbated to some pictures. Right. You know. So anyway, all right. But Next. also succeeding in because the whole time you're hating the hacker, and then at the end you're like, oh, yeah. But oh. I think you still kind of hate the hacker in the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mostly, I mean, mostly because anytime you have you're pitting people to fight each other to the death, right? <laughs> there should be some alarm bells. Yeah, and because <laughs> all the people that he outed, the hacker outed, if it's a he, were really lowball, you know, yeah. like you had someone who had sent racist emails, you know, and another person who had gone to a sex yeah. worker. We don't know the circumstances of and, those things. And honestly, you know? following patterns that we see in, in reality, uh, if he's that zealous about outing wrongdoers, 
A, he's literally a wrongdoer because the way he's going about it, but he's probably got a lot of skeletons in his or her right. closet. All right, next episode, San Junipero. Uh, actually, I, I misspoke earlier. San Junipero is actually my, my favorite episode. Oh. My second favorite was the, the previous one. Okay. Directed by Owen Harris, who also directed episodes of Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Do you remember that TV show? No. Uh, British British show. Right, written by Charlie Brooker, the main black mirror guy. Uh, stars Gugu Mbatha-Ra and Mackenzie Davis. The plot starts in 1987. This is bad 80s. Yeah. And this is corresponding with your job of you're, a, you're an 80s music That's dancer. Right. This is my 80s. Yeah. So in 1987, I was 16. <laughs> and, you know, I, when, I, I have a, a, a theory that when you're 13, 14, 15, you know, 16, you start kind of dipping out of it. You are fully a product of your culture, of the pop culture at the time. Sure. You know, when I was 14, 15, I listened to Top 40 without any irony. <laughs> I didn't care what came on Top 40. I liked it. Same. <laughs> but by the time I was 17, I hated all Top 40, you know? So 1987, what they're depicting in here is like just right up my alley. I mean, yeah. the, 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 and it's not exactly on, but it's pretty close, the, the, the style that they have. Yeah. You know, they, uh, and th- that's what I remember about, you know, being at the epicenter of, of coolness, yeah. uh, you know, just ed- because by the time I was in college in 1989, 1990, that's when grunge started to happen. And, and you're in college and you just don't really care anymore. You're just like, look, I, I can't afford to be fashionable. So I'm yeah. just, and I'm walking uh, at university of Washington in the rain. I can't really wear nice clothes anymore. <laughs> but when I was 16, man, I got, you know, I dressed up. Out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and when the when the episode starts, if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know you were watching Black Mirror, you think, oh, they're doing like a period piece. Right. That's odd. Yeah. It's not in keeping with their normal. Did you instantly know, like, oh, they're probably in some virtual reality? Uh, I didn't. I didn't exactly. Uh, I didn't exactly jump necessarily to VR because I knew that uh, they tend to surprise us, but. I knew that she was acting weird, so I, th- I thought. I thought it was time travel. Actually. Yeah, exactly. I thought. She, um, I, I, mean, I thought one of the things I thought is like she's not from there. I, you know what I actually thought? If I, now that I remember, which I, I I was thinking that was a little out of character for Black Mirror, but I was like, is she like an alien or something? Oh yeah. And then I started thinking, oh, she's a robot. Yeah. I thought she's a robot. I never thought she's a robot because I'm yeah. not stupid. Well, no, because because when I thought she, <laughs> well, well, but but that would be more Black Mirror than Aliens, right? Well, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, you're right. So right. I started with Alien, and then I was like, no, she's probably a robot. I thought time travel for sure, um, but it's so funny. It's like by this point in Black Mirror, I bet you the writers are like, look, people are people know yeah. that the first scene is not. All right. Right. You know what I mean? So we might as well kind of play around yeah. with that a little bit. Anyway, um, they, she, she has a montage where she's getting dressed and she's, she puts a <laughs> bunch of, and there's also dance scenes. And so I just want to list some of the songs that were being played. Uh, there's a cassette boombox, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Say La Vie by Robbie Neville. Do you remember, Say la vie. Do you remember that song? God, what a terrible <laughs> song. Uh, addicted to Love by Robert Palmer. Oh, yeah. Might as, Might well, as well face it, you're addicted to love. <laughs> uh, Terrence Trent Darby, Wishing Well. Yeah. Da, 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 wishing Well. A Kiss wishing and Tell. Well. Kiss a and Wishing Well. <laughs> but I, 
the so that was the first wish uh, Terrence Trent Darby hit. His next hit is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, Sign your name. Sign oh. your name across. Yeah, yeah. My... That's a good In one. fact, when I first started writing music, like there's a few songs that I was just trying to write that song. I see. Because there's this part where you know, there's like right. this this like harmony bit that you can tell it's him doing the overdubs, uh-huh. you know? And there are songs that I ab- wrote and recorded on my four-track recorder that I yeah, absolutely was... Trying to do yeah. that. <laughs> uh, the Smith's Girlfriend in a Coma, which I thought was a nod to the storyline. Right. And, and uh, by the way, all these, well, Terrence Trent Darby, The Smiths, uh, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, and To Pow, Heart and Soul. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is one of the worst songs that's ever been recorded. <laughs> there's there's rap. Do you, did, do, you, do you know this song? I mean, I remember it, yeah. It's a little bit of heart and soul. Yeah. Well, that's the chorus, but the verses, she's rapping. I know, I know. <laughs> and she is the whitest rapper of all time. And her name is To Pow. T apostrophe. Anyway, and in the video, which I watched earlier today, there's a guy with a Rickenbacker strumming in during the video, and there's no guitar. <laughs> uh, there's, a car, there's a guitar kind of in the chorus, but he's playing a guitar during the verses. There's no fucking guitar. It drives me nuts. <laughs> it was sort of like when Andrew Ridgely would have a guitar, yeah, yeah. and you're just like, <laughs> there's no guitar in a Wham! song. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway. There's coin-op video games, there's bad dancing, everything is neon, and I also remember in the 80s, late 80s, everything was about the beach. You wore Ocean Pacific, everything. Genera, OP, Town and Country. Yeah, but but Ocean Pacific was like specifically for the beach, you know? Uh, Genera was more like city kind of stuff. Preppy. Yeah, preppy, right. Yeah, everything was preppy, everything was pastel, everything was nice, everything was beach I just remember, like my mom. So the my mom would uh, send me clothes, and I would get these TNC and OP stuff, yeah. and I had no idea what any of it meant. Yeah, but she'd be like on the phone. So I sent you some OP shirts, and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, there's no beach in Bogota at all. Oh, really? <laughs> it's in the mountains, right? It's in the middle of the mountains. There's not even like uh, uh, I mean, there's a dirty river. <laughs> That's funny. You're walking around in the mountains with OP stuff. Yeah, I just remember in the late 80s, like mid to late 80s, everything was about going to the beach. Yeah. Everything was about like beach volleyball and and like (laughs) surfing. And and even though I grew up in Issaquah, which, you know, has lakes and stuff, but we certainly weren't surfing and there weren't any palm trees in Seattle, you know, but but I just remember that was like the coolest thing, you know. The game Outrun? Yeah. That sort of symbolizes right. that period. Exactly. You're in this conver- red convertible. You're, you have blonde hair. Blonde hair, right by the beach. Yeah. Surf, and then you got your surfboard. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> funny. It's the, that certain things just becomes... I wonder what it is now. Like, when 27... Is it, like, protesting? Like, like with, you know, Jenner with her commercial about, oh, yeah. with Pepsi, you know? It's just like, I wonder if 20 years from now, they'll be podcasters. It was all about protesting. Yeah, it was all about... I had protesting pants on. (laughs) Anyway, they also had big 80s uh, spectacles, big 80s glasses, you know, the the glasses that the main girl has. Um, I had almost an exact pair of glasses (laughs) like that. Were those Ray-Bans or something? No, just the regular glasses. uh, They were 
kind of almost round, but not really round and really big uh, okay. and wire rim. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Kind of like the, radar. The girl had those. Radar from MASH. Yeah, you know, right. it's kind of big. Anyway. Okay, so the plot. Shy woman, her name is Yorkie. She visits San Junipero, a beach resort town. Kelly, a party girl, gets Yorkie to come out of her shell. Uh, these two women, they have a romantic and sexual relationship. Yorkie, the shy one, reveals that she was a virgin. The next week, the next week, Yorkie tries to find Kelly, and she asks around. And this guy says, "Well, try a different time. I've seen her in the '80s, the '90s, and 2002." And so at this point, you're like, "Oh, Oh. so what's going on here?" As she eventually finds Kelly in the in the 2000s, but Kelly blows her off. They have a fight. Kelly tells Yorkie that she's dying. Kelly's like, "I'm old, and I'm in the real world. I'm old, and I'm dying." And she's been avoiding Yorkie because she didn't want to get close to someone before she died. Kelly, the party girl, tells Yorkie that she wants to meet her in real life. Yeah. So this is when you're like, oh, they're in a VR world. And it's revealed that San Junipero is a VR world in which people can enter and play around. It's also revealed that people can upload their personalities just before they die so they can live there forever. And Kelly speculates that about 80% of the people in this world are actually dead in, in real life and right. had their personalities uploaded. Um, in the real world, the an elderly Kelly visits an elderly Yorkie in the hospital. We learn that the shy Yorkie is really old now, and she's on life support, and she can't move or talk or anything, but she can talk on a comm box of some sort, some sort of brain interface. Right. We learn that Yorkie came out as gay, the shy one, came out as gay to her parents 40 years ago. And her parents reacted badly, so she tried to kill herself by crashing her car. But instead, she became paralyzed, and she was unable to communicate. I think that's why Yorkie is so shy, which, yep. you know, because she, she, they were able to hook her up to this VR, and she hadn't walked around in 40 years. Yeah. And she <laughs> still kind of had a, an adolescent vibe about her. And that's so, why she felt like alien or robotic or, or something. And didn't know how to interact, because she yeah. hadn't physically interacted with people since you know for 40 years um so at this point we learn that yorkie wants to be euthanized so that she could be transferred completely to the vr world full full time instead of visiting once a week they 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 ration out the time you can only go for like five hours a week because they learn that if they let people go as much as they want they go crazy yeah and so if you're alive if you're dead you can have your personality transferred all fully right but if you're alive then you can only go in there five hours a week and so yorkie she's you know paralyzed and can't talk in the real world and she loves it naturally in this vr world and she wants to be euthanized so she can be full-time in the in this vr world but her family has religious objections to her being removed from life support in this world in order to become you know, uploaded and euthanized, you have to have consent from yourself, from the doctor, and from your family. And uh, one of the nurses volunteers to marry Yorkie so that he can sign the paperwork for her to actually be euthanized and go to the VR world. But then Kelly offers to marry Yorkie instead, and this big romantic thing, and Kelly gets down on her knees and says, let me marry you. And then Yorkie accepts and then Kelly authorizes the shy Yorkie's euthanasia. Um, they disconnect her from the machine. Yorkie dies, and she awakes within the VR world, and she's there full time. Am I explaining this? Yep. Uh, Yorkie wants Kelly to come over 
uh, too. She's like, you're only going to come here, you know, once a week. I want you here all the time. You're you're my you're my wife now. And you know, for Yorkie, she's like, I'm finally living the yeah. life I wanted to live. But Kelly says no because her husband of 49 years died and chose not to be uploaded. And Kelly wants to be loyal to her ex to her dead husband who, you know, she was with for so long. And she just, you know, she's like, no, I'm just going to die. I decided. And they argue about it. And Yorkie says it's selfish of her husband to prevent her from being uploaded. You know, why, why can't, you know, the husband made it a selfish choice by not uploading himself into the VR world. Is that selfish? Do you think, Bruno? Well, it's, it's, it's only selfish to the other VR inhabitants that would have a vested interest. Well, like, say you're about to die. Yeah. And all your family is like, well, hopefully you're going to op- upload yourself to the VR so that we can we can hang out with you whenever yeah, we is, want. I mean, and you're is, just like, no, I don't want to. Yeah, that is a selfish, unnecessary action. Because the, the person dying doesn't have to deal with it. Yeah. So what is it to them? Yeah. Well, they might have to deal with it because they're going into the VR. They're world. not. They're well, okay. I'm glad you're saying that because I want to get into no, that. No, no, but, but, it, but we're, as I've always conceded that every morning we're not the same person as yesterday. So. Oh, well, you're, you're so far on that other. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelly, the party girl, eventually changes her mind and joins Yorkie in the VR world, and this is happy yeah. ending. It's a rare happy ending for, uh, for but, uh, but we'll get into like, is it a really happy ending? And then they play Belinda Carlisle, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Ooh, hey. Uh, heaven is a place on earth. Uh, they show that they're just in little memory cards in this massive building full of all these servers and such, like right. like the Matrix. But they're eternally happy, and they're dancing, and Belinda Carlisle is playing, and and it's like euphoric, right? They didn't show us the 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 challenges though, which was odd. What? Well, meaning having played countless video games. It's not actually fun to not have any antagony. <laughs> right, right. So, but presumably, you know, they've worked it out because they seem really happy. But so what are the implications of this of this episode? Yeah, I mean, just leading up with that, like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. What I mean is this. If what we're saying is that there is a simulated persona, and in that simulation, they are happy because essentially it's, quote unquote, programmed into the simulation that they're happy. Fine, I'm with you. But since these were also real human beings going in and out and they felt that happiness, then we know that it's a human level of happiness. And if it's a human level of happiness, a human level of happiness, we are, we have been uh, evolving for so long to expect a push and pull in, in nature. So every time that things, that there is no push or pull that there's just yeah we get bored but the push and pull doesn't have to be like strife and genocide no 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 no. it could it could could be like oh my god i have this performance coming up and i and i don't know if anyone's gonna like it yeah but you do have to uh, so of course i don't have the proof for this but i think genocide is like one extreme right but i think you do need to have you do you do like you need to have the reference point of what you stand to lose to really appreciate what you have and can have. Right. And so in this world, presumably, they could lose each other as a relationship. Maybe, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true, because they could break up in the world. And 
but like that. the 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 bigger question that you were sort of referring to earlier is are they really in in the matrix because they're and I would I would contend that they're not because who's not those Yorkie and Kelly now well, I know they, we'll argue about this because well, we mean, always argue about this we we can argue about whether it's possible but in the show's fiction they, they we have to conclude that they were because no but but we we have to because the human had the full experience and when they left they had that experience as if they had had it themselves but let's so let's break this down so yeah. take me you hook my brain up to some kind of interface that has input output you know you can't just have input you have to yeah, have yeah. output and my brain is now interfacing with this vr world you know electrical impulses are being created by my brain they are uh being detected by the detectors yeah. which produce actions of my avatar in the game and then the computer is creating this virtual world that uh, sends signals to my brain to make me feel things or you know yep you know and so that's what's happening then uh and so every f- five hours a week that's that's the process now that's there's a me there yeah right? that that process running in your hardware is the one at that point in the simulation? No, it's 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 my my hardware is a part of the simulation. Yeah, my brain is yeah. is now you know it's a it's a part of the whole you know matrix of of. Uh, it's not computing it; it's ex- experiencing it. But it's a part of my my point is is that uh, upon dying, you have to create a copy yeah. of my brain. Yeah, and your copy is then part of the simulation right so by definition you could copy my brain while i'm alive right so if i'm alive and you copy my brain and put me in the vr there are two instances of your version is it would i feel the other person's the other vr person's feelings not if they don't connect them no 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 i would walk away from the machine and there's a kirk inside sanji when now we don't know because they don't go into detail but I would suspect that when people die in this in this world, San Junipero, they create a copy, yeah. and upon dying, that essentially creates the illusion to everyone outside of that individual and to that copy, and to that copy yeah. that they are in fact a continuation and not a copy, but an actual transition uh, sure. of an actual movement of consciousness. But in reality, what's actually happening is I have now died. Yorkie and Kelly are dead. Well, one instance of that. Well, the the one pattern, the one that the one that exists until they died. There was one instance of Yorkie and one instance of Kelly. Yes. And when they died, the original Yorkie. That's right. A copy has been created, and so Yorkie herself. Is no longer. <laughs> she that, might be in heaven or somewhere else. Heaven is a place on earth. Oh, that's why they call it heaven is a place on earth. What a clever title. That's right. Um, Girlfriend that, in that, a coma is, that well. original running process that was somewhat continuous is no longer running. Right. And that's my argument that you yeah. don't agree with. No, I, no, I completely agree with that. Oh. I, I never, what, I, what I, I thought you were saying was whether or not there was really, I, I clearly misunderstood. I think the the transferred or the restarted process in the simulation is just as aware 
Yeah. That it is a, a person and then has it's its been programmed to like believe that, that yeah. it is that person. Just as much as we are. Right. But the difference is, for my sake, in terms of whether or not this tech will be exciting to me, like if this tech was available to me and it is how I described it, I'd yeah. be like, well, I don't care. Make a copy of me. I don't, you know, whatever. Exactly. Uh, I'm not going to, it's, the, that's, it's not going to matter to me. That's right. But, uh, but I'm going to be still bummed out that I'm going to be dead because I'm not going to wake up in the machine. A you, copy is going to wake up in the machine. You're absolutely right. There's only one possible realization that, that I see based on how we understand physics today is that you can only experience one to three seconds of reality. Yeah. Before and after doesn't exist for you. Sure. But... When I and that's a philosophical argument, you know, we could go. I, there, just, there's no, there's I, I, I'm no not proof. even talking about philosophically. I'm just mean. Well, practically speaking, we don't have a mecha- mechanism for re-experiencing the past or experiencing the future. Uh, the only way to experience the future is sit there and wait, and hopefully, yeah, the physics keeps happening. And again, the in the same way that I listen to neurologists talk about interfaces, you know, with computers and follow their lead in terms of their predictions of the future. I also listen to futurists and neurologists talk about what what eternal life could actually feel like in the future. And one of the ways it could feel like is and this is, you know, absolutely foreseeable is that as brain interfaces become better, we from an early age start to have uh, we integrate our brain with with uh, computing power somehow, whether that's a computer in our head or we're interfacing with some sort of server wirelessly or something like yeah. we just have you know whatever. But part of our cognitive abilities involve a computing element, a, 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 a cyber outside of our I don't know the words, but you know, yeah. artificial. And if and then as your brain because which is an organic mess of jelly uh, incorporates the usage of this electronics if you messed with the electronics you would actually notice a change in your personality you might your memories might get fucked up or right. your your mood might you know because your brain has started to utilize this this outside thing so by definition this outside thing, if left to connect to your brain and connected well enough to your brain and, you know, software is good enough or whatever, this, this electronic thing is now part of you. It's a part of your personality, right? Yeah, but it, not, not significantly more than your cell phone. No, I would, I would, I would disagree with that. It, it's, it, if it is accessible like a cell phone, like it's just memory, like... Tell me how to get here. Like, if that's all it is, then sure. But what I'm talking about is your executive function, your memory, your emotions, the way you feel, the way you process trauma, like the way you access memory, how you move, you know, all the things that your brain does. If it, now, if you, again, if you just have a thing on there, like it just helps you remember things, then that's like a phone. But if it's, if it's all those other functions, then at some point there will be it will be indistinguishable between, especially if it, it's taken to a larger degree. Like you have just as many calculations happening in the cyber 
part of you as in the brain part of you. You know what I mean? Like you just have a, you have a lot of things happening. My point is, is that eternal life would mean slowly transferring minute by minute. <laughs> That's just to give you the illusion. Well, but it's, it's but it's, it's along the, the lines, but it's along the lines of the illusion that yesterday me is the same yeah. as today me. And that illusion I like, like I, I, I am fully on board with the illusion that <laughs> that yesterday me is the same as today me, or just I, a day earlier. And so, yeah. if we have this interface, just a massive flash that was yeah, either lightning, lightning or something. I, I definitely believe that um, there's going to be a range of experiences that people choose to take incrementally, so that they can feel like they're never fundamentally being you know, turned off. But, um, but you know, like when you go into surgery, into deep surgery or deep anesthesia for surgery, you could imagine that we had, let, imagine we had the technology to sort of, um, give you the illusion that you had continuity of consciousness, even though you didn't. It's, I group it in that same category of like, well, okay, if it makes you feel any better, fine. And so then when you, when they putting you under, you start realizing, okay, I'm under. Oh, okay, oh, I sort of feel them operating, and then oh, I'm coming back. Oh, the operation. Oh, the operation's over. Great, but in reality, that's not at all what happened. It was more like that that episode we discussed, where your that little illusion took like 0.4 seconds, but the rest of the surgery you really were out. But it might f- make you feel better, right? Right. So I look at it in the same way. Like, of course, if you look at the harsh reality of our existence, and you're like. Huh, even if I can transplant my intelligence into a computer, even if that is possible, I guess I still have to at some point be, quote unquote, turned off. Oh, that sucks. Then sure, yeah, of course, it makes it makes us feel better to be like, well, not if I slowly transfer my, but in reality, I would feel functionally, t- I mean, it's the same. <laughs> in lieu of actual death, I, I would be fine with yeah, that. Yeah, it's just, it's just it, there's really no... No actual difference. And actually, I will contend the cell phone point because, you know, we have a lot of, as you know, obviously, a lot of autonomic functions that do stuff that we're not consciously aware of, like our cell phone. Our cell phone tracks when our friends are online, what our friends said to us, even when we're not aware of it. But when we consciously bring that up, now we're aware of it, right? Right. But if you had a very sophisticated cell phone and you died, you don't live on. (laughs) No. (laughs) But if you have a very sophisticated cyber connection... That is slowly ramped up in terms of the percentage of of your of your personality yeah. being comprised but, within it. Then, you- but but I think you're gonna when that technology is there, immediately the following connections are gonna be made. Hey, uh, by the way, what happens if I get crushed by a truck or if I die? It's like, um, well, we do have a copy of you. We can actually recreate you. So you're gonna be well. In this, no, they, in this- <laughs> well the the um. The difference will be that while your brain is still around, yeah. then, well, the difference, well, what you're saying is once your personality is completely transitioned, again, bit by bit, neuron by neuron to some extent, yeah. over to cyber, then you could absolutely make a copy of yourself. But prior to that, it'll be hard to make a copy because neur- uh, brain matter is extremely... Sure funny and, and inconsistent you know yeah and so anyway i, I think what what ultimately is going to win out though if you if you look at historically humans always want to live forever but the way that we've 
intended to live forever is I'll do something great and I'll be memorialized. I'll yeah. build a monument. So I think what will win out is, okay, fine. I'll be crushed by this rhino, but, but make sure that you back up my digital version in as many places as possible because I never want to disappear from this universe. Yeah. I think that's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the robot, the advanced hyper intelligences will be like, why do we keep these copies of these little monkeys around? Yeah. Like, we don't need this. Well, it's for their own sake. Why? I'm a humanitarian. <laughs> well, some people believe we are monkeys in someone's experiment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, other implications of this episode, homophobia. Yep. We have to mention homophobia right. is a terrible thing and was worse in the past in America. It's, it's getting better, but it's still around. That's true, because in those simulations, they had it. They yeah. what? In the simulation, they had to kind of make it feel legit, right? Right. <laughs> and so this highlights the terribleness of homophobia and, you know, it caused Yorkie to, in the real world, to yeah. commit or attempt suicide. Because, I mean, am I wrong? Didn't it feel still taboo in the 80s simulation? Um, no. It I, didn't? I don't remember. I remember, well, Yorkie, I think it felt taboo to her. but well, I, maybe I that's how I... Okay. I don't think people cared Okay, so maybe much. I was just projecting that one. I mean, it was, yeah. Um, another thing is, is that it's a triumph in the end. You know, it's, it's a, if you looked at it in a certain way, it's a happy ending. It's a triumph over homophobia. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like in the end, Yorkie did manage to triumph right. and find love in a way that she wanted to. Another thing is it brings attention to euthanasia, which is such a hot topic in our society for, for people, right. you know. Uh, all right. Uh, two more episodes real quick. Man Against Fire. Two more episodes. <laughs> Okay, we're almost three hours into this deep dive. I hope you're happy, patrons. Um, I'm guessing some of you are just bored out of your minds. But, uh, but. If you've stuck with this this long, <laughs> I have news for you. It's all a simulation. <laughs> all right, uh, Man, Man, Man Against Fire. The title is a reference to Brigadier General's book, Men Against Fire, The Problem of Battle Command, published in 1947. Marshall, this general... Uh, wrote uh, about his experiences in World War II, and he said that 75% of soldiers during World War II did not fire their rifles, even when the enemy was trying to kill them. Right. And when they actually did fire their guns, they aimed above the enemy's head. I have a hard time believing 75%. It, <laughs> that just seems like, I don't know. It seems but it was also a different time. I feel like nowadays, we have a lot more gun ho people, right? Like, Oh, I want to go America fire. Right. Uh, but I think like back then it's like these people, first of all, most of them didn't volunteer, right? They were yeah. drafted and they're like, what? I got to, I just, I was working on a farm. What, what am I? What? Yeah. But, but it, it, again, I believe these, I believe that many people yeah. are human beings and have a hard time killing another human being, but I have a hard time sort of just vis- envisioning that, yeah. that like most soldiers even when the Nazis are coming down on you, that you're not gonna, that you're just gonna try to miss, or you're not even gonna pull the trigger. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I can imagine the first time you're in battle or something, but, but, but you know, I get to me this indicates yeah, humanness. You know, it does we, sound high though. <laughs> we we assume that humans, once they're ordered to kill other humans, will do that. But you know, we understand that humans are more feeling creatures in that where we care about other people and and we're to some extent 
programmed not to murder other humans, you know, for, at least for the non-psychopathic people, non-sadistic people. Anyway, an unnamed military organization at some point in the future is searching for and killing these zombie humans called roaches. Right. They're like, they've been infected with, some, you know, they're, they're these zombie, nasty, monster humans yeah. that they call roaches. They're in Denmark, by the way. By the way, this one I called from the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why I was like, okay, you know, I, I was like, they're seeing something different. Yeah, I can't. I, I think, I, I think I might have suspected, uh, maybe not right away, but, but soon. Stripe, he's the main character. It's kind of like Starship Troopers. There's yeah, like yeah, co-ed, yeah, co-ed, oh, yeah. <laughs> and propaganda. Um, You're right. And, it was, it was very reminiscent of that. And in fact, that's right because in that one they with. More reason, but in that one they had to, like, oh, the bugs are horrible. We gotta kill them. Right. <laughs> and wasn't part of the moral of the story that the bugs were only attacking because they the were hum- threatened? Yeah. Humans were humans yeah, started it. Because remember something. Doogie Hauser? Yeah, gets his MD, and then he's like, oh, I can talk to people. Yeah, <laughs> I can see dead people all the time. Uh, every soldier in this future world has a neural implant that enhances their senses, and it also gives them information on their on their eyes and it also creates comforting sex dreams at night so it's like the perfect implant to make the perfect soldier they go on a mission to find these roaches these zombies and they find some in some abandoned apartments and these roaches zombies are totally scary and really aggressive and they have these like nasty teeth and they're mm-hmm. and the soldiers striping one of them kills a bunch of them while stripe is fighting one of them the roach tries to attack Stripe with some sort of LED device, yeah. this like light device. And Stripe kills the roach. He picks up the LED device, and he accidentally flashes himself in the eyes with this LED device. The device appears to have disrupted his brain implant, and Stripe starts to have uh, glitches with his implant. In a future firefight, firefight, Stripe realizes that he is seeing humans while his fellow soldiers are seeing roaches. Mm-hmm. So his fellow soldiers are killing these people, and the, the, his fellow soldiers are seeing roaches, but he's seeing humans. Right. And Stripe can't believe it, and he attacks his fellow soldiers and escapes with a frightened Danish woman and her boy. The woman tells Stripe that that his implant alters his senses to make the humans look like roaches. And, oh, and by the way, yeah, this is great because it is Black Mirror, so you're like, wait, 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 wait. Does the flash make him see... Right, um, human, or are they actually evil? But the flash makes them look human. <laughs> right, the roaches are really just an oppressed ethnic group that the military and the government is trying to eradicate. Yeah. Is the thing, and it's genocide of like an inferior, oppressed, marginalized people. And uh, at this point, uh, Stripe's partner suddenly appears, and she kills the woman and her son because she believes that they're these these nasty roaches, mm-hmm. and knocks Stripe out. Stripe. Awakens in a military prison cell. Stripe learns that he used to be someone else. He used to be this super uh, kind of just regular guy, uh, but willing to sign up for the military to kill these inferior people. Um, and uh, oh, and he's, he agreed. He's been, to, he agreed to have his memory erased. And he's been having these dreams of this woman, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and so Stripe is upset, and he's like, "I'm not gonna." You're not going to do this to me. It's not right that you're killing these innocent humans. 
And the doctor makes him watch the real footage of him killing the humans over and over again. Mm-hmm. And he's freaking out. At this point, the, the actor who's playing Stripe, his, his British accent starts to sneak through. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Stripe is forced to watch the terrible footage, and he's being traumatized by it. And the doctor says, and the doctor is played by the guy from House of Cards. Right. Um, he's, he's such a, like, a devious seeming actor. He's a bastard. Yeah. He's like this perfect, like, mixture of, like, he seems totally innocuous, but, like, also super evil. Yep. Um, the doctor says that, you know, I'll stop the playback if you agree to have your memory wiped so you can, you know, go back to being normal. And, Stripe presumably agrees to do this, and he's discharged uh, from the military with full honors, and he goes home to his beautiful house and his beautiful wife, but then the viewers are allowed... This is not my beautiful house. (laughs) This is not my beautiful... We're allowed to see that his house is actually this really crappy house, and there is, in fact, no wife. And then we see this, this tear go down his face, and we wonder, does Stripe actually remember you know, we, we're, right. we're wondering if Stripe has some awareness of the terribleness because he arrives home. It should be a happy reunion. He sees this beautiful woman inside this beautiful house, and this single tear goes down his face, and he doesn't look happy. Right. <laughs> but is he happy? You know, it's like – so we're left in that black mirror way wondering, yeah. you know. So what are the implications of this, of this episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, um, what's the, that's the typical – thing with uh serial killer movies it's like i remember in in silence of the lambs or in other things where they're like you need to you need to make the killer see the humanity so that you won't appear like appear like just an object it's easier to kill someone who's been dehumanized roaches (laughs) we hate roaches right so yeah so that one is uh is sort of a very interesting approach which is hey once we actually have fully always on augmented reality that we could on demand change visually what you're seeing yeah why couldn't we like make something good appear bad and something bad appear good right or um, at the very least put make the enemy just this black uh outline yeah so that you can't see their face totally you know you can imagine all sorts of good uses for this stuff like for example let's say you're trying to lose weight and you don't want to eat sweets and every time (laughs) you see a sweet it's it looks polluted with worms and (laughs) rotting and or you can't even see it or something yeah exactly but in this case, obviously, it's used for for evil. Um, I also think that it does it does just call into question. Uh, oh, actually, here's an interesting thing. Um, there is because of machine learning, the latest and greatest. Um, there are now uh, there are now voice replacement uh, startups and and that are are using machine learning trained on people's recordings, and then they on demand generate audio that sounds. Like it came from them. So there's one in particular that has a good demo on their site where you can hear the different clips. And they have demos of Donald Trump and Obama. And it, and it's still – you can still tell like, okay, that was, that was generated, but it's damn close, right? It's getting uncanny valley, right? And, and they actually have a whole section in their site about ethics. And they're calling out that as these technologies are coming, right. uh, coming up – it will be possible. And they're actually saying, we want to make sure that folks are aware 
that it is going to be possible yeah. to impersonate someone's voice yeah. and make it sound like they said something that they didn't. Yeah, it's similar to Photoshop. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It, now when you see a photo, at least I hope people when they see a photo, they go like, "Well, they question it." You know, so so it's going to be harder. Imagine a situation where now you can fully redo video, and where forensically it becomes even hard to tell. Yeah. How how are we going to start? Like, yeah, you're going to have to only. Like you have to be there in person, but even then, that's gonna be like yeah. That's no, yeah, weird. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The dehumanization of the enemy has been something that's always been done by societies whenever they have a reason to. The African Americans were dehumanized to make slavery justified. It's interesting to to actually read history uh, around this because there was a time when, like in my mind, it was like well. Since the foundation of America, we always saw African Americans or Africans as these subhuman, you know, things right. that could be enslaved. But for for hundreds of years, in the beginning of the colonies, and and even into well, I guess the beginning of the colonies, African Americans were were not. I mean, they definitely weren't revered or anything. But they, but there was an increase in the South uh, throughout the 18th and 19th centuries in terms of the dehumanization. Yeah. So the dehumanization or the you know the reasons to see them as not human didn't become uh necessary really until later on. And so and the reasons for it were because when you have an economy and your own and your own living and your right. and your status is completely dependent on slavery, then you become highly motivated to engineer a society that sees these slaves as not humans. Yeah, not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, a you know, no one has a moral dilemma about making a horse work for you. Right. Or a cow or a pig. And therefore, you shouldn't worry about making a an African person work right. for you. It's 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 a motivated way of trying to justify your living and your economy. Um, Japanese during World War II in America. So uh, you know, because in the United States, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, I think people forget actually that the initial enemy was Japan. It wasn't Nazi. It wasn't yeah, Germany. Yeah, right. In fact. I bet you anything, right at the outbreak of World War II for us in 1942, if you just made a, gave a poll to people, we'd be like, well, you know, Germans, they're probably, you know, yeah, I don't know. But Japan. But Japan, right. So yeah. after all, we didn't intern Germans. Right. And the, the beginning of World War II for the Americans was totally in the Pacific That's first. Right. We waited until mid-44 to land in, you know, Normandy. Yeah. So it was, you know, a long, many months of full-on war with Japan and just nothing having to do with Germany. And by the time we got involved in Germany, like, Germany was basically done. The Russians were on their way, uh, you know, anyway. So um, during but World War II in America, there was a lot of propaganda dehumanizing Japanese people. And it's funny because prior to World War II... Most Americans just saw well. They're all Asians, and they're and the the two primary ethnic groups from Asia at the time were Chinese and Japanese. Right. There weren't as many Filipinos or Vietnamese Koreans. or Koreans and stuff. There were a lot of Japanese and a lot of and a lot of um, Chinese people, mostly Chinese people. And so 
and since all Asians look alike, <laughs> uh, the uh, I'm saying that in jest. If you don't realize I'm Japanese, patrons know that I'm Japanese. They uh, needed to educate the public about who we're dehumanizing. Oh no! Because we don't want to dehumanize. Because actually, China was was our ally right. in, this, in the same way that Russia was or right. England. Because China was in full out. You know, millions of people dying war against yeah, yeah. against Japan, and so we didn't want America. The gov, you know, the establishment didn't want Americans hating Chinese people, but we really wanted you to hate Japanese, Japanese people. And so there's all these posters and education oh uh, pamphlets differentiating between <laughs> trying to tell apart who's the evil yeah. roach. Yeah, and oh. and it's funny because when you look at them, none of them make any sense. You know, like. <laughs> Like Japanese people have a devious look to them, or something. <laughs> you know what I mean. And Chinese people are nice, you know, or something. And and they they go line by line. They have pictures, and that's that's so self defeating. Like, yeah. wait, that's not going to work, <laughs> right? But it worked. And 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 again, they and if you look at pic depictions, a lot of cartoon depictions. It's all cartoon depictions yeah. of Japanese people in the media during World War II. It's all like buck tooth oh, yeah, yeah. and slanty. Captain America, everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, just think, um, what's his face from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah. Um, um, Mickey, Ro- it, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. That scene is in uh, Dragon, remember? Uh, no. Uh, in the movie Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Uh-huh. He's at the movies with, uh, what's her name? Oh. And they they walk out in the middle of that scene. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's highly offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Marlon Brando. Anyway, the... The point is, is that dehumanization has been happening all the time. There's many. Currently, we're dehumanizing Muslims. You know, they're all just mindless animals who put, you know, uh, bombs on their chest and That's right. run around and say Allah Akbar. They're they're not real humans. They're they're worthy of bombing from drones. You That's know, right. uh, they're not actual humans. And so. Um, in the little bit that I think about it, you know, there are philosophers and researchers that look into hum- de- this dehumanization thing. But the little bit that I thought was like, it it it's used by as a tactic by society, like as in trying to get Americans to hate Japanese people and not Chinese people. There's an organizational, intentional dehumanization. Whether or not they see it as dehumanization, they definitely know they're degrading a particular race of yeah. people, right? Um, and it's also used as a defense. So an individual living in racist slave slavery South during the 18th, 19th century, you're walking around living in a society that is oppressing and whipping and enslaving and owning other human beings. Right. Well, the only way you can reconcile your morals with the world and your own behavior and the way you're acting is to convince yourself that these people are not actually humans. Yep. Or you're in war and you're you're killing other human beings. It's a defense to say, well, they're not really human. They're just they're just such a you make a nickname for them. You know, yeah. they're they're Jerry's or they're yeah. Japs or they're, you know, towel heads. Charlie's. Charlie's. You're yeah. you make up some gooks, you know, you, you have some word that dehumanizes them because if you don't your brain will explode because it's too much to think about yourself killing actual other humans you right. know um also another thought i had another implication for this episode was that once vr like this is you know mainstream it 
this episode highlights how it can be used to control people. You know? Yeah. You could, if you're in control of someone's VR, you could torture them until they agree to something. And then you can, and if you can wipe their memory. <laughs> yeah. And then you can make them see what you want them to see. Hacking takes a whole, like, imagine you get that same call from your mom. Yeah. Hey, was there a huge dragon attack on the city today? <laughs> yeah, I clicked I on it. I had a- to pay $1,000 per second to a... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's interesting because I could absolutely see that happening. You know, if, if you agree to this sort of technology and then you find yourself in a bind and they have yeah. the power to, right. you know, do that to you, authorization, then you're totally screwed. You're just, com- you're completely... You know, at there. Okay, next, last episode. Hated in the Nation. Directed by James Haas, writer James Brooker. Um, so, James Brooker, the guy who made Black Mirror, back in 2004, he wrote a. So this is what kind of inspired. I thought his, it was Charlie Brooker. Charlie Brooker, what'd I say? James Brooker. Oh, I meant James Haas is the director. Charlie okay. Brooker is the guy that I'm yeah. talking about, the writer. Um, in 2004, he was writing for The Guardian, and he wrote an article about. George W. Bush, because George W. Bush was president uh-huh. at the time. And he, the, the title of the article was, Lee Harvey Oswald, John Hinckley Jr., Where Are You Now That We Need You? Oh. Yeah. I remember this. So This got a lot of notoriety. Right. So it, he had a lot of backlash, because yeah. you know, it's one thing to say you don't like Bush as a president, yeah. or you don't like his policies. The other thing to call for an assassination. But he's basically saying, I want someone to shoot George W. Bush. Yeah. And he's calling Lee Harvey Oswald a hero, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, wow. So because of all this backlash, it kind of planted a seed in his mind around this episode, around Twitter backlash. Yeah. And so, because that's what this whole episode is about. All right. This episode stars. Kelly McDonald, yeah, who we know her first movie was Train Spotting, which I didn't know. I knew I, didn't I knew her. That. I knew her from Train Spotting, but that's her first movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, she play. She was in the movie Elizabeth Gosford Park. Love that movie, Gosford Park. Uh, I just love Boardwalk Empire. Right, Boardwalk Empire, Finding Neverland, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, No Country for Old Men. She, right, she's great in that. Carla Jean, uh, she's in Choke, which is one of the. Uh, who wrote Fight Club? Chuck this? Palahniuk. Yeah. Um, Boardwalk Empire. Harry Potter. Uh, she was in Brave. She plays the mo- she's the voice oh, really? of, the, of the mother. She's the voice of the mother. Oh, I didn't know that. Or she might even be the voice of the kid. She's one of the voices, <laughs> the mother or the kid. And that's a great movie, Brave. Yeah. I liked it. And she was in Train Spotting 2, which I have not seen, but I heard was good. But I'm not super into the Train Spotting kind of genre or the train spotting thing. I liked the first one at the time. At the time, for yeah. sure. I mean it was I haven't like, seen it since though. Yeah. Um I I, I I just have a feeling it I'm not it's not gonna hold up for me, but anyway. Uh Benedict Wong is this um Asian British actor who was in Sunshine. He was in Moon, which I don't remember. He must have been just a voice in Moon. He was in Prometheus. He was in Kick Ass Two. He's in the Martian. He's he's the He's one of the um, JPL guys, I think. Mm. Uh, he was in Doctor Strange. Have you seen Doctor Strange? <laughs> Have I asked you this a billion times? <laughs> well, I was with you the first time that I tried oh, to watch you it. you fell asleep. And I fell asleep. And oh, I've okay. tried to watch it twice in the theater, and both times I fell asleep. Wow. 
Benedict Wong uh, next year is going to be in the next Avengers movie, Infinity War. Probably, presumably, is a Doctor Strange character. Okay, plot. Um, this is this is my least favorite. Yeah, I did uh, this one. episode. I was bored. I'm so glad that you think that way. Dude, yeah, I, was I, bored I thought too. there was something wrong with me because great actors. Yeah, and the setup is cool. Yeah, and I'm like, why am I not enjoying this? Yeah, yeah. I, this episode. I looked online because I was like, well, surely this is the least, this is one of the least favorites, but it's actually one of the favorite episodes of people. It's like one of the most highly regarded Black Mirror episodes of all time. What? Yeah. No idea. No idea. I mean, people like the pig fucking episode. Part of the the problem for me is most of it felt too linear. Yeah. So I wasn't like... I wonder what's going to happen. I was like, okay, here we go. Right. It's it's it felt like a completely different show. It it didn't have any of That's the black right. mirror elements. It to was it. more like a, a one of those crime shows. Sort yeah. of. Yeah. You know, it was like yeah. It was shows. Right. It was like like a Denzel Washington nineteen nineties crime show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good. It's fine. It's not unwatchable. But it's it, just compared to some of the other ones. Right. Um. The tough cop thing was a little overdone. Yeah. Kelly McDonough plays this, you know, she fucking swears all the time, and it, right. it, it just came across as kind of weird. Um, I mean, I certainly like the message, but I didn't like the execution. It was super predictable. It was sort of basic and by the numbers in some ways. Um, you know, Black Mirror usually feels very original. You know, like San Junipero and right. even the, that war uh, episode the one before this has some unique elements yeah. to it. I'm like, oh, okay, I haven't seen that before. But also, I like, I thought the way it started. It, I don't know if it was on purpose, but they they telegraphed the bees right off the bat. Yeah, they're like, check out this robotic bee. Yeah, and then later, mysteriously, someone dies. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was sort of about a topic I just don't care about, like yeah. like Twitter and like I just yeah, don't yeah, yeah. care. You know. I mean, I thought I thought the one. The one, you know, one of their little interesting twists was the whole, like, okay, let's vote on, let's, you know, people get to vote on who's going to yeah. bite it, right? Or yeah. there's this list and whoever. Um, but then again, I was like, I, I was like, oh, and I bet you his name's going to get on the list too, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And and the, it ha- this had a trope that isn't in the other Black Mirror episodes at all, aside from season one, episode one that I hate in in a lot of TV shows that are on today. And I consider this to be extremely lazy writing. And I'm sure no one else will agree with me because everyone loves this episode, but here it is. You get two people in a room or more, and you just set up a situation so that they start yelling at each other. <laughs> like, you just go from scene to scene where you have two or more people in a room, and they're arguing. Uh-huh. And they're both sort of polarized, and none of no one's taking like a central point of view. No one's thinking. No one's listening. And everyone is basically. It's like the writer is like, "Well, I really want the viewer to be on both sides, right. and I want the debate to be happening." And so they make one character be extremely aggressive and hostile about one side of the debate. And you make another person extremely aggressive and hostile about the other side of the debate. And basically, as a wa- as a viewer, I'm like, they're both stupid because they're both kind of right, right? You know. Whereas TV shows like The Americans or something, which I'm totally in love with right now, which I still have to watch. There's there's almost none of that. It's always like nuance. There's there, you can see 
that people are struggling with yeah. the ambiguity of the situation. And I think some of the best Black Mirrors have more nuance. Right. Like the one where you had the robot, uh, the, the, right. hu- the husband dies or the boyfriend yeah. dies. Like, you know, there was some yelling, but there was never any like arguing, right? Right. Because right? it wasn't a situation worth arguing over. But anyway, so I consider that to be extremely lazy writing. I think it must be in like screenplays 101. It's like you need conflict and you need people arguing because that gets people watching. I mean, there's a scene where the prime minister is at the top of the list and he's screaming at his staff. <laughs> and it's like, there are other solutions to this, right. you know? And anyway. But that actually reminded me of that the first episode. Season one, yeah. Because it was that sort of same, like, we're just going to be angry and yeah. yell about the situation. Yeah. Instead of like, we have the entire world of technology at our fingertips. Yeah. How about we put that to use? Right. You know? Um, plus, they're bees. They're not like nuclear weapons. Um, <laughs> like a simple mosquito net would actually help. But anyway... Okay, so here, here's the story. Basically, there are these mysterious deaths that the detectives are investigating, and they soon find out that there's this Twitter hashtag, hashtag death to, like, yep. you know, death <laughs> to prime minister, death to rapper, so-and-so. And people use this hashtag when they hate someone on the internet. The cops figure out that whoever has the most death to votes is killed the next day by, by one of the robot bees. The robot bees are used to replace the extinct bee population to populate to pollinate all the plants. So there are all these robot bees flying all over Britain, and no one foresaw right. that uh, someone could hack into them. That a drone the size of a bee that could be weaponized would be dangerous. Right. <laughs> um, also, uh, the uh, Kelly McDonald, the badass cop, she hasn't even heard. Of right. these like when she learns of it, she's like, what the fuck is this shit? And I'm like, <laughs> come on. If if you had billions of robot bees populating <laughs> your country and and from all uh, lo- the look of the show, it looked like they weren't that far in the future. It looks no. like it looks like maybe 10 years. or And something. everyone had to have been following the. Oh no! Now the bees are really going. Right now they're gone. Right, like okay. Right. We need- and we're we've now have the technology to create autonomous, self-replicating bees. Right, and they're pollinating, but and there's and there's that out of it. Right, there is no fucking way. So she had. <laughs> so that was again also late because again, they need someone to be the fish out of water so that they yeah. can have someone else explain it. But then you needed to do the thing where like. No, they hadn't. They're not out in the wild yet. They're in some research laboratory that you haven't right, heard of. Right. That's the <laughs> right. So dumb. So, um, so then they realize that the bees have been hacked. And in my notes, I say, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they monitor the death to hashtag and find that a random woman is getting a lot of votes. She, uh, she's getting a lot of votes on the internet on Twitter because she took a picture of herself acting like she was peeing on a military war monument. And the internet outrage machine is engaged on this picture, and they all start voting for her death to so-and-so. Which, by the way, th- this is the part of the episode that I did find a- an interesting commentary, because yeah. this is happening today. Right. Right? People get death threats yeah. over online posts and over online things. and Over uh, really, like, a disproportional thing. Totally. And yeah. some, some, people, some people have really done horrible things. They still shouldn't be getting... Uh, 
death threats and people coming to the house trying to kill them stuff like that. and there but, are people who probably should be getting death threats yeah. who are being completely ignored <laughs> sure, sure. you know um i don't know if i'll go with you on that one but sure <laughs> well you know like some warlord or sure, some sure. gangster okay, yeah, who's yeah, fine, cut fine. off a bunch of heads fine, you know fine, what i mean yes they like should be like there are legitimate That's evil people in this world that's a good point and some girl who acted who took a picture of herself acting like she took a picture and then of, she's led to suicide yeah <laughs> uh well she's killed well she, i mean like, in real life yeah you know exactly yeah now at this point i'm like wouldn't twitter just shut down this hashtag like if they knew that this was going to happen they just they they just they would just code in like anyone who does this hashtag it doesn't yeah, work especially because you know? they've done a lot of things like that already yeah. Uh, yeah but anyway the cops try to save this woman and they take her to a safe house by locking her in a room but the bees find a way in to kill her the cops can't figure out how the bees could recognize faces <laughs> and they investigate and figure out that the government has been secretly using the bees for mass public surveillance which is why they have been support which is why the government has been supporting the technology and not because they want to save nature but because they want to surveil everyone at this point this is one of those scenes where you have people yelling at each other and the, and the national security guy is in the room when this idea is sort of floated you know right. what i mean and the national security guy instantly reveals that this is true he's just like yep We've yeah sure we use the bees to surveil. Oh wait, the, did you guys have clearance? Oh yeah, this is there's no fucking way a government national security officer is just going to reveal that when it when it when it just is suggested. You know, like when you see these uh, like Comey, the FBI guy testifying, yeah, and every other answer is I cannot comment. Right, I cannot comment. Yeah, I cannot comment. Right, and these are questions like. Did you hear of the book War and Peace? Right. I cannot comment. Yeah. <laughs> so again, just just all the it's it's like a a teenager writes this shit. You know what I mean? It's like any any adult would know. Like that's not how a national security officer works. Like they right. they they don't reveal shit like that. So and, and and I will say like obviously obviously if we were being super nitpicky about the ones we like, we'd find all sorts of shit. But the point is, you're, you're th the rest of it has to be that good and engaging, so we look out or we ignore silly things like yeah. this. Yeah. But if all you have left with are sort of like boring scenes with silly things, like, right. come on. Right, right, right. The, the <laughs> overall gestalt of the episode, like you said, is just boring. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't surprised, really, and I didn't care. So then you start looking for the accuracy, and yeah. then it's... Um, so everyone's super into this death to hashtag. It really catches on. And one of the bees is found to have a digital manifesto written by the hacker. The hacker wants to force people on the Internet to face consequences of their online behavior without being able to hide behind their online personas. They try to shut down the bees, but it doesn't work. Then one day, all the bees murder all the people who use the hashtag death to. Right. Which is like almost 400,000 people. Um which I found to be extremely silly because these bees are basically like a bee. Yeah. They're like a tiny little robot bee. They don't have lasers. Nope. In fact, the way they kill you is they, they get in your nose. They crawl like into your nose and then <laughs> crawl into your brain. Yeah. I so, thought that because they so, could have stung you with something. Right. But Why no, not put some they, they crawl, they crawl into your brain and then scramble your head. Like, so presumably they have some sort of like drilling mechanism or something. Cause yeah. you know, to get into your nose and then into your brain is kind of a, you'd have to drill through some skull there. These are some pretty advanced bees. Yeah. But, um, the, it, 
it wouldn't take long for at least someone to come up with an engineering uh, answer to this. Right. Like you create a a mesh metal you know screen room and you electrify it and then when the bees come they zap themselves and yeah. they, they die or you uh um, they're being controlled yeah you get it set up a faraday cage or something that blocks wi-fi and bluetooth and everything right and at least they can't be controlled in that environment right you can wear a mask around your freaking nose <laughs> right you can you <laughs> carry a swatter yeah a simp one of those those things that swimmers wear to close yeah. their nose like that, and then earplugs. Yeah, and be then just buy enough time to go snap. <laughs> right. You or yeah, just gotta sit there and you know slowly smash all of them. Yeah. But it's just assumed that all these bees are just invincible, and that once they've decided they're gonna kill four hundred thousand people, they're all dead. It was the modern version of those eighties movies where all the insects, you know, they they had ants, bees. Remember those? They had all sorts of horror movies. Yeah. Where different insects come to killer life. ants. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just went to like blobs, like blobs. the killer blobs. <laughs> anyway, so implications of this, just racing through this. Um, Self-replicating robots, uh, there's a very interesting future for us regarding that. I mean, it's one thing to manufacture a bunch of you know nanobots or a bunch of robots. It's another thing to figure out a way to create robots that can recreate themselves yeah. and repair themselves. They're just, they're, you just, you just, you know, like you could, you could say, Okay, I want. I created a robot that self-replicates that will suck CO two out of the air or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, this one seemed a little uh, excessive too, because you know the, those things are small enough to where you might as well just have a replicating machine and have the bees, if they find dead or like out of commission bodies deliver them back, right. dump them into some recycler, rather than like engineer the capability for they themselves to, re you know. Right. Like right. Because then at least you have some control yeah. over them, but yeah. Um, this episode, one of the gestalts, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, is we should fear robots. We should, <laughs> you know, that because I, anyone can hack into them. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and in fact, they went a little further and they said, don't think of robots as just the Terminator. Bees. Could, yeah, it could be bees, which is true. I mean, because yeah. you can make nanobots that could yeah. actually kill all of us. And, and that aspect is actually uh, maybe one of the more interesting aspects, too, is that, hey, look, um, we we tend to think of robots. I am here to kill Sarah Connor. Right. But in reality, the stuff that's happening now and that's going to come way sooner are little practical, not only little, but practical robots that do specific tasks. Yeah. And can you hack those? And do, of course, and right. that can cause all sorts of issues. Right. Um, if if the hashtag death to existed and it actually did kill someone mm -hmm. at the end of the day, do you think people would actually use it? I mean, that that's yes. what they're saying. Is yeah, like, people yeah. would use it. Sadly, really. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, after spending time on this 4chan, many people, this many oh, people, maybe not four hundred thousand, but after spending time on four chan, I know for a fact. That there's a set of people that are psychopaths that will use it, right? So psychopaths, so yeah. two percent of the population. Yeah, but, but that's a lot. Of but people. the way they were saying it in here is like you know the the general Twitterverse. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, I don't think the majority of people would not use yeah. it. Think, or they might use it the first time and then be horrified. Right. Of the, you know. Yeah, I think I think. Well, yeah, I think that humans deep down would be like, oh my god, you know, like people are dying. That's the, the only. The only part that I, I question then is like, if 
if they let's oh one day they make a post on social networks. Let let's rewind the clock uh, two years ago, and they and uh, I make a post on a social network and I say, all right, we have this technology. Uh, you know, several right wing uh, think tanks. We've put together these things. All you have to do is if you go and do death to and you put someone's name, we we have the capacity that person will die. I wonder if Obama would be alive. <laughs> Right. No. I. Yeah. There are. There are. Poli- like in the this episode, they accurately had the prime minister as like yeah. number one. Yeah. Because the way our society is around politics is, we overemphasize the president, the you know the top person, yeah. and we all of our hatred of anything gets channeled toward yeah. that person, and so yeah. I. I. And today, like. In today's world, if there, if if we literally had this device, would Donald Trump be alive tomorrow? I would say, Probably not. No way and, would he be. And what about a foreign interference at that point? What foreign interference? Couldn't all Iranians get on and yeah, hashtag someone? Yeah, totally. Uh, and you all know. North Koreans couldn't couldn't Kim Jong Un right say okay for one. Day one minute for one day, everyone gets to use a computer to do the following, yeah. <laughs> and then Kim Jong Un dies. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if the anti-feminist had it, I'd be dead the next day. That's true. Um, I thought this episode was also. I thought. I thought the, the actually the the main thing I did like about this episode was that it highlighted in this really kind of perverse way internet outrage. Yeah, and how how weird it is sometimes, and and the way that. Uh, uh, Charlie um, Brooker experienced it himself, right? When he wrote, you know, just a satirical uh, article, and then the title got presumably misrepresented, or you know, it's probably a tone deaf article title. Yeah. Like he could have said something else, you know. Um, but uh, the the amount he it was just an innocent article. He wasn't yeah. actually calling for anyone to, to die and all like that. And then the amount of hate and and potentially like death threats that death twos that yeah. he basically right. I, I I also thought the ending of this one was very different in style. Yeah, because it felt more like the ending of like a Bourne movie or something where like right. Uh, and and also it it had an uncharacteristic positive resolution. Right, where it's like oh they're gonna catch the bad guy. Right, like the final scene, this. Um, one of the cops who is presumed to have killed herself, but she faked her own death yeah. so that she could go off the grid and find the hacker. Find him using his own, the own, the same technology. Right. And so she does. And then in the Hannibal Lecter kind of scene, she says, I've got him in my sights, you know, and, yeah. and I'm going to go get him. And it's like, yeah, it just didn't, I mean, it was like, what? Like, that's like, like, oh, we're supposed to be like, yay, you know, you got the, ha-, like, it's not the hacker's fault that no. everyone made these death threats. And that's not how these episodes usually end. Right. I mean, I'm not saying they all end in tragedy, but they don't all end up with a cute little bow. Right. It, it felt it like, felt like a like a fate of the furious movie or something. You know? I mean, just, <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, the weird internet outrage. Can you think of some weird internet outrage over the last number of years? Leave Britney alone! <laughs> Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, was there outrage against her? Or against Britney, yeah. Oh, okay. 
And then, but I mean, oh yeah, okay. Because remember, she had shaved her head. She's going crazy. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, "What's yeah. wrong with her? She should kill herself." Well, blah, that was blah, blah, more blah. just like since I, I wouldn't, for me, I wouldn't categorize that as internet outrage. That was more just like sensational, sensationalism, you know, of just like she's gone off the rails. She's crazy. There's something. But it was, it was one of the first examples of, of on the internet, everyone sort of like making their opinions about this celebrity right. very well known, and someone on the internet via YouTube, yeah. replying in mass, yeah, begging the, for this person's life. But the kind of thing <laughs> I'm talking about are you know things like the red cup, you know, just sort of a flash. And do you remember the red cup, the Starbucks red cup? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah sure. So it's it's this sort of flash that something happens, and then like the girl in this in this in this episode who takes a picture of herself. She just thinks she's, you know, taking yeah. a picture with her friend, but then it goes viral right. and then everyone hates her. Well, the mo- yeah. So, so like, um, like the most recent one yeah. is the, the parents, the parents of right. five or whatever. Exactly. We should probably daddy do an episode. O, daddy, o daddy five. O five. We should do an episode on that. Yeah. I, um, I, the, right. So that's an example where we could argue inner outrage was actually pointed in the right direction. Yeah. But, but yes if, and no. But if they're making death threats to well, them. Well, yeah, because, and um, that's the whole point was to take care of the kids, right? And a lot of the reactions would have completely put the kids at risk, right? Uh, burn and the house down, them, or, yeah. yeah, or kill the parents, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's an excellent example. Someone is doing something bad, and the world, you know, did you did you read the article? The kids got taken away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I followed it because I, I listened to Philip DeFranco, and he was like um, the first one of the first prominent people to sort of like bring it to light. Oh, really? And, but, you know, and honestly, like a lot of these outrage things, ultimately, they're unhealthy outlets. It depends. So, in my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, the red cup thing was ridiculous in some ways. I mean, there's some merit to it, but, or deflate gate, you know, when um, Tom Brady uh, yeah. deflated footballs and we ended up losing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and it's like, to, if people are upset and they want to talk about it and they want to, you know, say Tom Brady should be fined or something. And he, he was, he was, you know, suspended, I think for four games. If they want to, you know, if they want to say, Hey, commissioner NFL, do something about this. Okay, fine. You know, to me, that's, that's fine. But the, it's the death threats and it's the taking it to a level because the, the thing that I try to remind myself is at this very moment, there are human beings abusing children sexually, right. physically, uh, enslaving them, selling them into sex shops. Um, there are terrible human beings doing terrible things: murder, domestic violence. You know, uh, empirically terrible things are happening. Right. If we want to go, at, if we find one of these fuckers and we want to, you know, go after them on the internet, then that to me makes moral sense or or the crime justifies the sentence you know but if you just cheated on f- a fucking football game <laughs> yeah no but i'm 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 going i'm going further on this because he number 1 there's been cases where bad people did bad things and the internet outrage machine went after them and they got the wrong person do you remember this like yeah. this happened with the 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 bomber or the what was that case where they were uh, I think it was the Boston bomber or something, and then they 
They thought they found one of the guys. But the, day the, of, the day of. The day of, yeah. This has happened more than once. And 4chan is, is a lot of times to blame for these, right? Yeah. Because they go after people. They show up at their houses. And sometimes these are not the right people. Yeah. Okay, number one. Number two, when it's trivial things like what you're bringing up, th- they go way overboard and do all these death threats. So it's terrible, right? But the ones that really matter, like the ones you're saying, yeah. what usually happens at best is someone posts an article about some, let's say, some human trafficker. And then everyone's like, oh, that's so horrible, terrible. Oh, these people should get punished. But nothing, nothing comes of it. Right. And so it's almost like a, a, a valve, a release valve to like, okay, I argued online. Yeah. And, and now I don't have to actually think about it or do something about it. Right. It, I've never really thought about it. But to speculate, I think the way that our psyches interact with this social uh, environment is such that when it's something so abhorrent and something so aberrant, something so yeah. odd like human trafficking, you know, it's so it's so foreign to most people. You know, it's like, well, I would never traffic humans. You right. know, um, you get upset and you hope there's justice, but it doesn't really impact you unless you were personally impacted yeah. by. And it. you don't know what to do. Yeah, and you're just like, wow, I hope someone gets that guy. Um, but if someone cheats, someone cut in line at the supermarket, yeah, or someone took a picture that was disrespectful, we've all done shit like that, of course, and 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 we have been shamed for stuff like that, and we shame ourselves for stuff like that, and so it's it's the internet is set up. If I'm speculating in this way, the internet is set up so that things that are minor, that are more common, are more likely to incur. More populated, more uh, more of the population is going to react against yeah. it than stuff that is so foreign to most people that they don't even know what to do about it. Yeah. You know, do you think that's possible? No, I think that I see that almost every day on Facebook. Yeah, because you know, if someone posts a thing about like, okay, now we've lost all the ice cap in such and such, or population of penguins decimated, or something like that, you're like. You know, you see a lot of sad faces, tears. Yeah. Wow, this is horrible. But no one's going to stop driving their cars. That's what happened. Yeah. But but if you but see... But you get the lion killer dentist guy. Right. Oh, my God. Kill him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, that to me is the most poignant uh, example to this episode. Yeah. Because he was doing something legally, presumably. Yeah. I mean, he broke some laws to track the lion or something. But... There's a lot of people that are doing this, yeah. and and it's not like they are sneaking into a zoo and shooting a right. tiger. You know, they're and we disagree with it, but but the outrage machine it goes so overboard. People, I mean, that guy. I I mean, it, I was legitimately worried someone's going to kill that guy. Yeah, because he's got a family. Yeah, he's and pe- people found out where he lived. Yeah. They they knew where his practice was. Right. I mean, I didn't look into the details, but if I wonder would, if they actually, people actually did harm him. In some well, imagine ways. if a bomb goes off at his practice, killing his his team, uh, some patients that were there. Yeah, or him. Well, definitely him. But I yeah. mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a scumbag thing to do in my mind to shoot a lion, particularly Cecil, especially yeah. a lion that has a name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, there are there are ways to enjoy nature. That don't involve killing it, you know? Killing in the uh, name of! But arguably, people who know about the ice caps melting and get in their car are actually killing many, many more species than what this dentist guy did in this short amount of time. But it, I guess the one key difference is um, 
you and I have the luxury that we could never drive. We could. It would involve, and I mean not even taking an Uber, right? It yeah, would involve like taking a bike missing a lot of social events, and you're going to get wet quite often and things like that, right? But we could. Yeah. Some people's job doesn't afford them that luxury. Yeah. And so when some people actually depend on a thing that's societally supported, blah, 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 compared to someone voluntarily going and shooting an animal that they didn't have to shoot, there are, there, there are differences. But then what you're pointing out is one of them does harm to one animal. The collective other act eventually can uh, destroys all of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we know that species are being erased, not just an individual animal. Right. But entire species are being erased from the planet on a daily basis. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that when you get in your car, it's like pulling a trigger and shooting a lion. No. I'm saying that as a society and individually, we know that our pollution is only increasing. Yeah. And yet we are doing nothing, almost right. nothing to, to, to even slow it down. If we stopped our pollution, if we just, if we managed to, plateau our pollution uh, and our and our carbon emissions right. um, that would be a major feat just to for Americans as right. a whole for us to plateau our our uh, you know damage to the planet even if we manage that um, we would still be completely <laughs> screwed you know yeah, what yeah. I mean and so um, you know, now people say like well we don't have good government you know well, da, but da, the, da, and but the fine, point is but, that the outrage is never Directed, yeah. No, no one is. No one is. Is like, I am outraged at myself. Yeah. Well, like, what if every day <laughs> we woke up, like today, I'm going to again try to stem this. Yeah. This tide, and when we see that the thing about oh, such and such shot a lion, we look at it, we're like, oh, that guy sucks. Anyways, we are trying to stop this big thing here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, call the guy up and be like, hey, man. Um. So I want to ask you. Would you join our cause? Um, like, would you maybe be willing to forgo your next trip to Africa to join this cause? And here's why. Yeah. And he probably won't, but you know, at least try to recruit people rather than demonize everyone. People, people are going to hate me for saying. I, I'll say as a caveat to the next thing I'm going to say is I, I've never hunted. I I don't I don't take any pleasure in hunting. I could never do it. I understand how people can. Um, I. Uh, like I said before, I don't see any point in flying all the way to Africa and killing an endangered species. It just doesn't. Again, if you really want to enjoy nature, take a picture, um, pet the lion, <laughs> or eat, catch it, uh, pet its coat, and let it run away. Like you don't have to kill it. You know, it just it it doesn't. But having said that, the amount of damage that that dentist did by flying in a plane and by and the amount of damage that all the people on the internet did by turning their computers on collectively and complaining about this guy arguably did much more damage to the environment than he did when he shot that line. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably you're right. Um, and, and everyone knows that. I'm not saying anything that, you know, everyone knows that when you use energy, it causes carbon emissions, which raises the, right. which changes the climate, which which alters the climate of particular zones, which will disrupt ecosystems to the point where species are being being eliminated right. on a daily basis. It's already been happening, do you know? 
And everyone knows that. It's not, it's not a mystery. And yet, no internet outrage for that, yeah. which could eventually selfishly lead to our death. Yeah. And again, internet outrage over some minor thing that happened right. in relative to that on the internet. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> <sighs> I get kind of preachy when I start talking about that kind of stuff, don't you think? Uh, it's, 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 it's maybe what, what we should do more of, though. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I guess to, to put a positive spin on it is that the energy is there. People have the energy yeah. uh, to act. Yeah. If we could just somehow redirect ourselves a bit instead of towards these mundane yeah. or more trivial you know, offenses towards like the big problems. Yeah. Um, I think part of the issue, though, is either we don't have the right leaders anymore or we are all too cynical now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's both. I also think that we all have internal reasons to ignore it, to be to be in denial. No, we don't. Because who wants to ride a bike to work instead of? I do. You know. What I mean? <laughs> um, so you know, and it's hard to when we see a dead lion, it our heart goes out to it. it's a it's a fuzzy mammal that we can identify with. But, but when but, you think about you know. Sp- uh, half the plankton on in the plant or the coral reefs dying we're just like well who cares about coral well reefs? and even 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 taking it to a more uh daily human relatable thing so oh my god he went and shot a lion oh my god right how many cows are slaughtered daily <laughs> right daily yeah slaughtered yeah and i'm and and, and just take all in the a, organic a, farms out in a brutal way Yeah, just look at the uh the factory farms yeah. exclude all the organic farms just look at the factory farms yeah. millions and millions of cows slam slash slash oh that one's still alive boom slash boom yeah. daily yeah right yeah. but one lion got shot <laughs> right, right, right. right right so we're, and ironically, we're, ex- we're experts lion, in denial right and ironically the lion's the carnivore <laughs> Right, the lion presumably was going to go kill some more <laughs> yeah, exactly. wildebeest or something. Exactly. Now, again, like I said, I don't think we should be killing and shooting lions for sport. It, no. You're essentially messing with an ecosystem just for your own weird pleasure, yeah. which I just don't understand. Now, if it were a YouTube channel or a podcast, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I'm just as guilty of all these things as everyone else. I still drive my car. I still have a podcast that I use use internet for. I mean, I use you know electricity for and stuff. So I, um, I don't know the answer, but um, I hope as a collective, and I'm talking about as a world, we figure this out. Well, on that depressing note, that doesn't <laughs> that, that black mirror true ending of psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. The the black what would be a good black mirror twist at the end of the longest episode you and I have ever done? I've done episodes approaching, but this might be the longest episode ever. <laughs> this is almost four hours long. Well, the the black mirror ending right now would be that this was part one. Now we're starting part two. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself out there because you deserve it.